One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwal, from the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. And then, then I came back, like when the surgeon told me that I was good, but I wasn't really, I was like still in pain. And then at 4 a.m. I hit a hole and I just bent my arm, like it bent Ooh. all the metal plate. Oh, I remember um, that. Yes, yeah, so I had like this bent arm. <laughs> and then I raced Leo Gang anyway, because I just couldn't believe it that it was that bad. So I was like, this is not possible. My arm's like broken. <laughs> And I'm racing in Leo Gang and I was just like telling myself that it's okay, but it wasn't. I, I still qualified, so I was like, that was good. I had a lot of fun in there. Um, also, I had a lot of crashes as well. I mean, it was hard to stay upright. Yeah. Um, I remember coming down and, and uh, watching Lewick just have a massive one. And I was like, wow, he was pushing way hard. Next run, I was in the same corner on my back, just sliding. <laughs> hey, Ketamine went on a fucking crazy trip left my body and like was in Mars walking around <laughs> space dust and doctor f- shoving a finger up my ass <laughs> it was just the most crazy and bizarre experience um, and like probably like the highlight of that that you know from 5 to 10 o'clock with all the scans and having checked over was was actually when I don't know it doesn't sound pleasant but when the doctor put his finger up my ass and asked me to clench and I was able to clench and feel it like that gave me 
And he was like, oh, that's a great sign. And I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is like, this is a lot of hope. And like, obviously, because I was paralyzed and like, I think that's a indicator for them to know whether, well, know how bad the damage is, whether you can um, like squeeze your sphincter and feel that. So that like, you know, obviously being on ketamine and fucking having that done to me, I was still like out of this world and didn't know what was going on. But like, for me, that was like a great indicator of like, when he said that, like I was, you know, there was potential there to regain feeling in my legs so some people pay for that kind of weekend bro (laughs) 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 I definitely didn't (laughs) World Cup downhill racing is back and what a start to the season some incredible racing in Lenzerheide and Leogang and we're going to break it all down for you in the next few minutes. Then we'll be chatting with Canyon Collective FMD's Tani Seagrave before wrapping up the show with our favourite Brazilian, Roger Vieira. He'll be joining us for a new feature called Prova to Your Life. But the first thing we need to talk about was the incredible news that broke after qualies at Lenzerheide, with Jack announcing his retirement at the end of the 2023 season, which was news to all of us, Amy. Yeah, actually, yeah, the first time I heard of it was when I wrote the script. So I don't know what I was doing in Lenzerheide, probably... Too many things, but uh, yeah, so cool to hear that, Jack, and congratulations from me as well. Thanks. Big news, mate. What what prompted the decision? Um, well, I'll keep it fairly brief, um, but I was I thought about retiring last year, struggling with a shoulder injury for a couple of years, and I'd kind of lost the love for racing at the top level. And towards the end of the season, chatting with Steve, Jordan Williams' dad, who does our sports psychology stuff for the team in the gravity school, I decided that I still was loving it towards the end of the year and wanted to have another run at it this year. So I stayed in um, and I'm, I'm extremely glad I did. Um, but I was also very aware that with the changes that are happening, it's, you know, they're, they're making the sport much more kind of uh, small at the top with fewer riders able to do finals. And it looked like it was going to go more that way in the coming years. So I was, I was behind closed doors. I'd said to Sarah and a few of my close friends that this was potentially going to be my last season. Um, I hadn't fully made the decision. I had said to people, if I had a great year this year and loved it, then I'd obviously keep going. Um, but we got to Lenzerheide and after a really good preseason with obviously the good Portugal Cups that we've talked about and riding well again, honestly, I got to Lenzerheide and after watching junior practice, I, I didn't want to fucking be there. <laughs> Literally. Really? I had a fucking meltdown on Thursday. Like I didn't want to be on my bike. Like, And whenever I was on my bike, I was fine. Whenever I actually got on and rode a section, I'd be like, oh, I got that good. I feel good. But the act of going into a section, I just couldn't relax. And it's watching the juniors, we'll probably talk about this later, but they're so sketchy and they're so erratic that it just, it obviously just highlighted to me how much risk is involved. And so Thursday I struggled. That's the, that's the message there, which is practice day. And then I had a word with myself worked on some of the stuff I've been doing with Steve. I knew what I was doing, but I just couldn't stop on Thursday. I couldn't stop talking myself out of it. Um, went out with a different head on my shoulders on Friday, did four runs, absolutely loved it. Went into quality, just open-minded um, and rode my legs off. Like I gave it absolutely everything. My mindset going into quality was just do my best. You know, what will be, will be. <laughs> that is not what happened. When I, <laughs> I went at it like like I'd stole the bike off someone who wanted to kill me. Um, so my run was really sketchy and I crossed the line to look back to see I'd gone into 44th, which held out for 47th quality. And I just, as soon as quality was over, I just instantly was like, I'm done. 
Like, and the reason for it was I enjoyed, I enjoyed getting to the bottom and seeing I'd qualified, but I, I wrote down what it was. I was, I was only safe and by safe, I mean, I was 47th and 61st was only 1.2 seconds behind me. I made three mistakes, one more mistake and I would have been out. So all of that risk and I wouldn't have been able to go into the next day. So it just highlighted to me that like, I, I'm not seeing it as Dan does. Like obviously I work very closely with Dan and the head on his shoulders is very much like the one that was on mine when I was in my twenties and I don't see it like that anymore. So yeah, it was basically, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this season for what it is. Um, and it was a weight off my shoulders and off the back of it, I rode so much better the next day, went faster and had a good finals result and then enjoyed Leo Gang. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with, with the decision and uh, 14 years of racing World Cups is going to come to an end, which is obviously, as Emmy knows, it's sad, but um, yeah, it's that, that's what it is. You've obviously got a lot lined up. Are you excited for the future? That's the other thing. Like, I'm not just an athlete anymore. I'm a coach. I'm a business owner. I'm a kid at home now and lots of other things going on. And there has been pressure to retire for a few years from from other kind of things that are going on in my life. So um, with all the risk that's involved in what we do with Racing World Cups. So, um, so yeah, lo- loads going on. The gravity school is going to get bigger. We're going to run more coaching camps abroad, more in the UK. And I'm still obviously going to be racing nationals. And I may even, I may even pitch up on a bike at a World Cup. If we have a rider next year who wants me on track with them, then yeah. I might be there in practice like some of the boys are doing, but my own competitive racing at World Cup level will, will end at the end of this year. Well, it's been an incredible 14-year career. Congratulations to you on that. And we'll do a proper retirement 20 questions at the end of the season. Thanks. So before before we get into the racing, let, let's talk about the changes and, and get your, your thoughts on them. So let's start with juniors who now have a practice session on the afternoon of track walk. Quali the following day, and their race the day before the elites, which is broadcast live. From a spectator's point of view, it's fantastic. The juniors are getting a lot more coverage. You've both got junior riders that you're looking after. What was it like on the ground for your guys? Well, I, I think Jack said it. Like the first practice session in Lenza High was quite something. I'm never watching them again. you're lucky because you can get out of it. But I had to film the guys, so I was as I'm I'm there all along and. And yeah, it was like crazy how fast they were going straight out of the gate. And I guess also the top of Lenzerheim was really, really fast, mm. maybe too fast. Uh, we can talk about that later. But yeah, it was uh, literally like for, for the two riders that we have, um, Dane and Ryan, they um, they nailed it with the first weekend of, of woke up. Obviously, they were real nervous. It's the first yeah. time for them that they're competing and at that level. But they uh, they handled it well. They had a couple of crashes, but nothing major. Um, so yeah, I was really proud of them, how they, they handle everything. Um, but yeah, like definitely happy about that new, that new format for the juniors that they raced the day before and can have a show. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a really good thing. It adds up a little bit of, yeah, stress to the schedules to get everything done, but I think, um, definitely, um, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, and the only other thing I should say is, Watching them from my perspective as a rider, I have my own process that I want to go through when I'm going to go and race that World Cup. And for me in Lenzerheide, watching them attack that track exactly the same way as I would have done at that age, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Um, it just wasn't good for me to see. Um, but mm. yeah, all credit to them. Like there was some amazing riding going on. Like r- shout out to Ryan Pinkerton, like the pace he was going by third lap 
Like, I think he probably then <laughs> lower throughout the weekend just because he'd, he'd gone out so hard. He was on like race winning lines from the get go. So some of the fire we saw from those guys was cool. And yeah, I think, I think the schedule is, is a good change for them. Cool. Next, we have the introduction of semi-finals, which again, broadcast live. This was probably the most contentious issue during the off-season, but again, as a fan, it's brilliant. There's almost too much racing to watch now. How's how's the semis gone down with the riders? Well, I'll kick us off, if that's all right, because I saw this question in the script, and I thought, well, for me and for Dan, uh, people need to understand that the schedule is exactly the same. Because in Lenzerheide and Leo Gang, neither of us made it through to the final. So we still did first day of practice. We still then did more practice the next day in the morning and then did quali. In Lenzerheide, we then went through and did practice in the morning. And then the semi-final, which is in old money, the old final. We It was exactly the same for us. So I can't really answer your question. So I thought rather than guessing what the other guys thought of it, I kind of reach out to a few people. Um, so I've had response from Bruni. Um, and he's responded by a message. So I'll just read it out. Um, he said, yes, yeah, semis are just making it really busy on race day. When you do well in semis and starting at the end of finals, it's quite okay. I thought it would be more hectic time-wise. It's still intense and really demanding, but there is time to get ready and recover. It's also mentally tough as you can't really calm down and regroup from the semis. But in the end, the first two tracks were fairly chill physically, so it worked and as he points out here, also no mud. We will see when things aren't so smooth. He says yeah. he likes it for the spectators all day racing. Um, he does then go on to say he feels exhausted after two weeks of back-to-back -back racing and the new format isn't easy. His final point um, was that for people watching at home, maybe people agree, maybe they don't, there may be too much to watch. Um he said, he said, like, if you want to watch it all, it's fucking up your whole Saturday. And then you put <laughs> face. Um, so he, he kind of said he maybe feels like it's quantity over quality. Um, and then I kind of had a little comment back and he agreed that the semis is kind of the semis and final is almost just a repeat because as you've mentioned later on, George, it, there doesn't seem to be too much stuff happening that's different in the finals. The speed's already set. So, yeah. so that was, that was, that was Lloyd's thoughts. Um, and a few, few responses from some other people. Um, Thibaut de Prella, he says it's really cool. Um, finals day is hard. You have to go fast in the semis to get the points. So you can't like ease up there. Um, he does mention protection and says there's only 10 protected into the final. So it makes the semis quite hard if you're not protected because it's quite a risk to try and compete for those points. Um, the GOAT, Greg Minara, has sent me quite a few voice notes that I've condensed down. So I will rip through some of the, the really good points he's made. Um, Greg said it is hard on a rider. It's tougher and it's more physical. Um, he does like that it's great for the fans at the race. There's more for them to watch. On a Friday, they get the quali and the junior finals. And on a Saturday, they get the semi and the final, whereas before they were pitching up and just watching a bit of practice and then one time run. Um, he, he goes on to talk about how the racing is extremely tight, which which makes it um, tough on a rider and, and you know a little challenging. This, he, he mentioned the six-second split in the semis. Um, on a track that fast, there's very little to separate the guys and, and one mistake, which um, happened to, to Dan, my teammate. He was 31st in Lenzide, missed out by 0.1. Um, you're out of that final show. Um, he goes on to talk about how it's a good way of reducing the field to 30, which he feels is important. And the example he used is 
he feels that whole run needs to be shown on TV because Andreas Kolb qualified first and then was first in the semi-final in Lenzerheide, crashed out at the top of finals. None of us saw it. Mm. So at the moment, the TV package doesn't show you it an incredibly important part of the weekend. Yeah. The commentators could have been showing that uh, replay and showing the crash and talking about what's happened while Andy rolled down. Whereas at the time they didn't, they didn't even spot he was dirty. Um, the guys on the ground with the microphone, not the guys on live. I, I didn't see the live because I was obviously there. But Danny Hart on, um, he, he says he enjoyed it. He liked it. Um, he said he did find some things strange. One thing he mentioned was um, he found it weird that when he was waiting to go up for semis, he was watching what in his head was going to be the women's final, but it wasn't. It was the semi-final. Um, so he said he found that strange, like repeating itself. Um, but he didn't present that as a negative. Um, he said in Leo Gang, he had a poor semis um, and that gave him a 35 to 40 minute turnaround between his semis and going up for finals. He said he stayed in his kit. He had to have a quick bit of food. He didn't cool down and he had to shoot up for finals. He said he kind of found that all right because he never cooled down, but he did mention that that was a dry track. And if it had been wet or there'd been a problem with the bike, he said his his, uh, his mechanics would have been really up against it. Last one, I believe, that I've got to share with you um, is uh, Valley Hall. Um, and I can read hers out quite short and concise. I really enjoy the new farm format for now. You have to keep it together for the whole day. If you have a shit day, then you have two shit runs, laughing face. Fans really enjoy watching more racing. For the future, it would be cool to get um, a podium for semis and prize money. Um, I think that covers everybody who came back to me. Cool. Well, thank you for doing that. That's great. No worries. Yeah, he has all my work cut out. <laughs> <laughs> the vice president of the association had nothing else to say. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was like, I'm just going to guess what they're thinking. I'll just ask some of them. So there we go. No, but actually, there was a lot of kickback because of semi final previous of the season start. And now that it started, I think um, the riders really um, are sometimes positively surprised by by it. I'll say, like, someone like Ronan Dunn, for example, I talked to him and he was like, he loves it because he loves riding. So, he he kind of rides all day now. He has like yeah. less time waiting for his run, which is a positive. Um, like you said, Loig and Finn, uh, I think you need to be a bit more consistent. So it goes a bit um, in their favor, especially Loig's. And Finn has to keep it together more. So maybe it's it's less um, all or nothing, you know, for him. Yeah. So yeah, I'll say I can I can tell you what what Kami um, thinks about it and how she feels. Um, I think it also go- goes on the favor because she's a very constant rider, but yeah. um, the physical aspects I think is a little bit different for women than for men. Um, I feel like a lot of girls are a little bit worried when the longer tracks are going to come Yeah, because obviously they'll spend more time on the track too. Um, so yeah, especially you cut in the field down from 15 to 10. So that was kind of Danny's point like, Oh, I thought I was watching the final, but it was the semis because it's only five riders difference, yeah. you know? So the whole point of semis is cutting down the field, right? Like from 60 to 30. And you're yeah. only cutting down the field from five riders. Um, yeah. So the, the ladies in general, I kind of like also thinking, why is semi there for us? You know? Yeah. Like, does it make sense? Yeah. Um, can we just not have 15 in finals? You know, like it's, it's just like, that's what, Ladies wonder in the in in to to go to start with fifteen in China. 
they could have gone the other way and given 20, 25 of these ladies a chance to race semis because this is the other big improvement semis is the whole thing is televised. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that's that's what that was the thing. Like if some people are say, oh yeah, like Lenzo Hyde and Lil Gang were kind of alright, but what about Valdisson? Like, yeah, how's it gonna be? You know, because the track is the most of most physical out there. Um, if it rains, like I don't know, it's like risking your life three times in one and a half day mentally and physically. It's gonna be tough. So we'll, I guess, we'll find out after Valdisson. It's generally positive, but yeah. there are some stuff that we can still like question. Yeah. And do you know world champs in Fort William? I presume that's not going to have a semi and a, that's just going to be no. a traditional world champs format. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm. What I thought, I thought was noticeable in, in Leah Gang, and you touched on it a minute ago, Jack, was that the, the semi is almost like another level of filtration. So in finals, it felt like every rider that came down was going just that little bit faster than the rider before them. We didn't have one rider coming down early who was in the hot seat for 20 riders, which as a viewer, it was quite good. It added a bit more excitement. I think Andy Cole might have been the, the person who sat longest in the hot seat. Um, and I think he was, did he come down ninth, maybe? Ninth, something like that. Mm-hmm. Did, did you did you get, you guys notice that then? That- yeah, for sure. I mean, it's because there's points all the way through that semi-final. You've got the top boys pushing for the points. And by the top boys, I mean like those 10 or 15 guys who are thinking they can either win or podium. Yeah. And behind that, You've got this block of riders that Greg actually mentioned in one of his voice notes where between like 20th and like 50th, you've only got like a three to four second window where everybody on their day can be inside that top 30. So everybody's pushing like hell in there. And if you make a huge mistake, you're going to be out. So it's irrelevant. So it sets that pace. Everybody who qualifies is they've they've pushed like mad and they've had a good run from the semis through to the final. So when they come down in the final... I mean, Joe Breeden's a good example. Like Joe's coming back from injury and trying to just, you can read from his Instagram post that he's just taking it step by step. So he's qualified um, in the, he's got through from the semis into the final and done really well. Um, But you can see from his times, he was never going to particularly improve that fat. No. He was thinking two seconds adrift at the back of the queue in that final. Yes, three or nine, I think he was. But that was his. He was within mm. a couple of tenths of his of his seeding run. Yeah, but and then in front the seeding of him, semi semi run. Sorry, two seconds maybe in front of him before there was any yeah. spots. So that's a prime example of like he's he'll have gone into that. And I don't know. I haven't spoken to him, but potentially thought, well, there's 28 points to pick up here for coming coming at the back anyway. Yeah. So I just have a, this is great. I've had a great weekend. I can keep building. Why take huge risks to potentially still finish 30th? Yeah, that makes sense because that would have been my approach in Lenzide. I finished thirty seventh in the semis, and if I'd been point nine faster, I would have gone through to the final. And I had a great semis run, so there's no way in that final run I would have been taking any mad risks. I would have been like thirtieth sound. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for. I get it. I think the only exception to that is maybe people that are not protected um, for final, yeah. and then they will just like maybe take a little bit more easy in semis because they know they can get in. Like Bernard was an example; he wasn't protected. And he did cruise a little bit his summies and got 28th or 27th, I remember. But that was like a little bit crazy. Um, but Roland Dunn as well, like he was not protected, if I'm correct, for for the final. And then he pushed really hard. And uh, yeah, he, he got like probably yeah the guy that improved the most from his summies to his final result. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, sometimes a little bit of um, yeah, exception with, yeah. with protection. But otherwise, yeah, it's, it's cool. F- that there's not a rider that just like out there is gonna 
and it's not going to perform. So it's pretty like goes crescendo to the end, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. One of one of the major concerns from the riders' point of view was how the extra race might increase the number of injuries. And we saw a lot of injuries in Lanza Hyde. Some of the high profile ones, Aaron Gwynn with a broken elbow, Amory Piron, C5 vertebrae fa- fracture, Jenna Hastings, your girl, Emmy, broken wrist and finger, Luke Mayer Smith, broken collarbone and concussion, Henry Kerr, spinal injury, Ben Cathro, spinal injury. Wishing all those riders and any others who've broken themselves a speedy recovery and a, a big shout out to Iago Guerrero, who's currently recovering from a brain aneurysm. Most of the injuries sustained in Lenza Hyde were sustained in practice and it didn't seem as bad in Leah Gang. So was this just first race of the season, everyone's keen, or do you think the riders felt more pressure to go faster sooner because of the, the new schedule? Possibly a little bit of both, like... It's so competitive now and you get such a limited amount of time on the track. Like we arrive at the event on either the Monday or the Tuesday and you do nothing for a couple of days. Like you drift around, you talk to people, you do whatever you're doing. And then all of a sudden at 12 o'clock on a Thursday, you have to get on your bike and go fast because you get three and a half hours practice where we've got six runs both at Lenzerheide and Leo Gang. Um, in Lenzerheide, we tried to get seven and we, with that, having a few dramas with mechanicals and stuff, it wasn't possible. So by the end of that first day, you need to be up to a fairly decent speed. So in six runs, you've got to make that happen. Um, that's with fairly short turnaround between the laps. You've barely got time to even watch your GoPros or, or kind of chat with your mechanic. So the point I'm making is we're almost rushed to go fast. Yeah. Um, and that can lead to people being offline or making mistakes. So, um yeah i mean some of it could be that we're under such pressure to be up to speed quickly um that we then we then make mistakes um yeah for sure i agree with that the thing that i think in lanza high was also a little bit of a problem is the way the track was um kind of laid out um i've talked with some of the guys swiss guys as well afterwards i don't think the track has been worked on like it's been groomed and stuff but like it hasn't been worked on in a few years like some of the berms are like completely like raw um it's good for walk-up track but like the first road crossing claimed i don't know two or three people that had spinal injury there on the same spot um because the speed into that road crossing or like the compression before was too high and guys were like had to break so this is really hard to predict like i walked the track before track walk and like it's it's really hard to predict but there's a tendency we saw in Leoyang as well that the tracks are getting faster and faster. And by faster, I mean shorter for the broadcast. Yeah. You know? So the tracks are coming to a limit in the sense of they're very raw. Leoyang, all the jumps too small. Um, and so people are just going the speed that the track allows, but the track is like almost like too, it's, it's not adapted to the speeds of the guys anymore. Yeah. So this is something that is a little bit concerning for me, um, for the riders, because they like to go fast. They love to scrub jumps, like, you know, but then, but then at the end, it, it's going to claim some people along the way and, and maybe to make it a t- the tracks more technical again, will maybe save, like, if you have a crash, then you, you just don't crash as hard if you're going. 50 kilometers down right now so yeah i mean you could see loads of people over jumping those jumps in league again yeah and it was a back win as soon as a back win people yeah you can't control that but you know yeah. usually in league there's wind from the west and it's going to be a back wind 
Um, so that's mostly the case. And yeah, Angel Suarez uh, really hurt his, um, his, uh, calf, like over jumping the second wooden table. Um, and yeah, people didn't know what to do. Luckily in the finals, less tailwind. So it didn't like, didn't really affect. And if it would have been wet, there would have been no problem. But the, the, the layout of the track and the way it was also, um, like with the poles and everything, it, it, there's a tendency to try to make it shorter in time. So people just go faster. Yeah. Um, Hyde was probably, except the start is exactly the same, uh, track as last year. Last, last year was dry as well. And then it's 3.2 kilometers an hour faster average. Whoa. So that's like, to me, it's shocking. You that's know, fast. Yeah, yeah. That's a big difference. So Leo gang was also faster, but not as much. And the track was also quite a straighter, but yeah, it is something I'm going to watch this year and see how it evolves, but you can just like try to make the track straighter to make it go f- faster. Like I don't think it's a good tactics at all. No, it, it looks like both. Aaron and Amory are out for the season. You have to feel for them both. Just a few weeks back, Aaron told us he was he was ready and he was looking to, to pull up some trees this season. Amory, possibly his best ever chance to win Worlds. It's a cruel sport at times, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning, like the risks we're taking, whether you're one of the riders who's pushing to win or mm. whether you're one of the riders like me in, in the mid-pack battle for trying to get your top 20 or whatever you're trying to get. Like you, you're pushing yourself to your absolute limit on a on a push bike down the mountain. So, yeah, you feel for those guys and all the others that are injured and wish them all speedy recoveries and try and stay positive because it's shit. Yeah, I talked to Amory's parents a little bit in uh, in Lilgang and it's not easy, you know, like they have three sons and they all had been going through like multiple spinal injuries, the three of them. Yeah. and other stuff concussions back injury like whatever so yeah a poor mother yeah. yeah and the father as well is like yeah he's tired of seeing these tracks going faster and faster and um he's talking with his heart you know and that's like something that's yeah yeah it's it's a bit hard to to witness yeah the the other contentious issue was protection which i think is still a bit contentious jack I, I know there were issues in Lenza Hyde, which I think related to Taylor Vernon. Is that right? Yeah, it's. I think it's maybe me and Emmy have discussed it. And I think it's potentially one of those things that's just been an oversight. But I'll run you through it briefly. So, if if you qualify fifty um, eighth, and there are three protected riders that need to use their protection to go through to the semi final, um, you've had a great run. Come fifty eighth. Those three protected riders means that there are now 63 riders taking part in the semi-final, which was the all-final. And in that, the points run down to 60th, where 60th gets one, 59th gets two, 58th gets three. So let's say that same rider who was 58th comes 58th again in the semi-final. Ah, but wait a minute. Those three protected riders have beat him this time, and they're going to push him back into 61st. Now, those three points are now none because 61st doesn't get any points. But yeah. it was three points. Mm, yeah, you're not getting a reward for racing your, your, your semi-final, but it's three points. It's probably not going to make a huge difference. Um, that is fixable as well. And you could extend that, extend that one point that 60th gets. You could extend that all the way through the 60th, mm-hmm. yeah. through all of the protected, to, to say there's five protected riders, extend it down to 65th. Anyone below 60th gets one point. Now, what happens in... The final is 30th gets 28 points, I believe. 
Yeah. Uh, 28 might be wrong, but I think it's 28. It, if there are one or more protected riders that go in there and you finished 31st, you get no points. So you may have a great run in finals. You may have qualified 29th in the semi-final, go through to finals, have a great run, improve your time by a second, take all that risk, finish 31st, you get fuck all. Thanks for coming, but you don't get any points because the points will only go to 30th and the protected riders that are put in there. And this is what happened in Lenside. Taylor Vernon qualified 24th or wherever he qualified in the semis, went through to the final. Greg had a puncture, his protection carried him through. Um, Greg punctured again in the finals and you could see him pushing all the way to the line on his flat tyre because he obviously knew what was going on. There's some points here for up for grabs. Taylor crashes. Taylor finishes behind Greg and one of them gets points and one of them doesn't. So I think it's very easy to fix. You just extend those points down all the way through the 30s, 27 for 31st, 26 for 32nd, and it doesn't matter. It's they're dishing out double points. So how far the double points go down makes no difference. So yeah. I spoke with Taylor and his dad about it in Leo Gang. Um, and they were furious. Um, you know, they're privateers. They're spending a lot of their own money to go racing. Um, and Taylor's, Taylor's dad was, was obviously really angry. Um, not, not with Greg, just with the system. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's something that Emmy and, and the team, um, in the union need to, need to raise because, uh, it didn't happen in Leo Gang. There were only 30 of them. Um, and Danny was disqualified. So that meant Joe was 29th. Um, but obviously in Lenzhide, that did affect one rider. So, so. You guys did well in Lenza High, Jack. Dan came away with 31st, just missing out on finals, and you placed 38th. Oh, is it 37th? Sorry, 37th. 37th, yeah, yeah. because uh, Ethan was disqualified for, yeah. I'm not sure why, I'm assuming it was crossing one of those poles, but but yeah, so 37th. It was, yeah, it was. He disputed it because yeah, he, he, he crossed the pole, he said, yeah. but he didn't gain an advantage. He was slower by what he did. But yeah. um, you happy with, with, with it? Yeah, on a personal note, extremely happy. Um, quality was 47th. I was aiming to go. I, was, I said to Dan, if I can do your quality time in semis, I'll be happy. And I went a second faster and came 37th. So, and, and the important thing was, like I described, my quality run, I scared the shit out of myself, made mistakes, um, enjoyed the result of it, but didn't pretend particularly enjoy the actual run itself. Whereas semis was different. I'd relaxed. I really enjoyed my run. I felt fluid and I went four seconds faster. Um, so 37th in old money finals was a great result and I was extremely happy with that. Good for Dan. Um, Dan qualified 24th, but if you look at his splits from qualifying, he was like in the teens all the way down to the last split and then he had a puncture. Um, his pro call got him to the bottom, um, on like a soft tire and he qualified 24th, but he, he had time in the tank. He was riding really well. And I, th- I, th- I think he just, I think he just booked it in the semis. I think. It was just a bit of trying to work out how hard to push. Like I said, you've got those block of riders. Um, like I was only 0.9 behind him in that semi and, and I, I rode with him in practice and saw him in practice and there's no way um, if he had a good run, I would have been 0.9 behind him. He would have been well in the distance. So it's a shame, um, but that's just part of the battle that everybody's having to do. So so yeah, for the team, it was a really good start. Cool. So production-wise, I, I thought it was okay. I, I don't know if... It was better than Red Bull. There were there were some bits missing that I got used to the virtual straight, the key section, and and the commentary. I thought Rick was was good, but I, I watched Lenzerheide. You were saying before about the almost too much racing. I watched the semis and the final back to back, and I had to turn the sound off after an hour. I just I couldn't listen to Cedric anymore. He didn't seem to add much other than the shouting. He's fast. He's so fast. 
for every rider, but it improved in Leah Gang, and I think it'll only get better. What do you guys think to the, the TV production, and what was the production like on the ground? I think I think it was good and bad. Like, there's some stuff that are kind of cool, and some stuff that, um, like, especially Lenzerheide, I don't think they were really on point by then. Logan was much better. Yeah. Um, Cam's final run, like, we didn't see the whole off camber. Uh, they kind of showed like even the steep, like, the two actually key sections of the track we didn't see for the last ride on the hill. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a no go. Um, the quality of the drone shots and stuff, uh, yeah, is not the best. Yeah. I've seen way better for sure. Um, commentary, yeah. I mean, I feel for Cedric because he's not a native speaker and he's replacing someone that has won everybody's heart. So it's kind of hard to like, um, being his shoes, but I think they proved from Lenzerheide to to Leo Gang. Um, maybe they could get a little bit closer on this, like kind of. I don't know if it's drawn or heli shots, but sometimes you can. It's really from far, far, far away. It's a cool idea, but like you, the key section, I kind of liked it. Like some of the graphs that were there. Um, I don't know what you guys think about the finish. Like it's not arch anymore. It's like to finish beams. Yeah. And uh, they improved it a little, gang. They put a screen on the bottom with your times and your ranking. But in Lenzerhard, you could you literally didn't know what you did. Like, you couldn't really read the result, like, if you were in front or not in front. It was really hard to read. So, yeah, there's some stuff to improve. But um, the fact that they kept covered the whole track in Logan, like, almost the whole track, that was cool to see. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't have too much to add there. I mean, I think... Uh... I wouldn't want to judge because I've never done it. I I I did listen and and like you said, George, like I, I feel like Cedric's got a long way to go. Um maybe they've tried to split Rob's role in half and giving Rick the the anchor kind of stats, professional commentary role, and then tried to bring Cedric in to bring the kind of entertainment role. Yeah. And at the moment is not particularly entertaining. Um but I, as I've just said, like I've never done it, so I wouldn't want to want to particularly judge. And and like you said, hopefully um, he will get better as the season progresses. But I'm sure that with a big, um, you know, a big outfit like Warner Brothers doing the the production, if if they're not happy and they're not getting good feedback by the end of the season, then they will just find someone else. So, yeah. And as for stuff on the ground, there to be honest, as a rider, like I haven't really noticed too much difference. Um, I don't particularly go and. I watched. I did watch the race in Lenzerheide, um, but obviously, as long as there's a screen, that's what we're watching. And one sad thing about the downhill races when you're there, whether Emil will agree with this or not, is unless you're either in France or Fort William, or I've never watched snowshoe at the bottom, but like it's just dead. And then you get someone good come down who's going to challenge for the time, and you'll get like us and other people who are at the event start to make a bit of noise, and then people get involved, and then it just goes dead again. Like it's a real shame that the the crowd isn't like more behind every rider and like getting a bit of an atmosphere going. Um, so that yeah, that would be cool. But obviously, that's not that's not a role of the, <laughs> unless they're going to start paying people to go and stand in the crowd. <laughs> On to the racing then. So Lenzerheide saw a double UK win, and I'm not sure which was the biggest story. Jordan Williams taking the win in his first elite race, or Rachel Atherton claiming victory after just one competitive race since 2019, during which time she, she's given birth to her daughter. Let's start with Jordan. Sixth in quality, ninth in semis. It was looking like a podium would be a, a great result, but what a run. I, I don't think he won any of the splits, but it looked just about perfect, Jack. Yeah, and that was literally what we were saying when he was coming down. Me and Dan were just watching, going, "Yep, 
he's nailed that. Yeah, that's perfect. Holy shit, look at the speed he's just got out of there. Like, and I know that he spoke to his dad on the phone that night and just said, Yeah, I just hit every every downside I wanted to hit, and it just kept getting faster and faster. So so yeah, absolutely incredible to to go out there on that team. Um and you know, do the first World Cup in that fashion was amazing. Um, you can only take your hat off to him, really. It's it's incredible. <laughs> Loris finished less than half a second back and would have probably got the win if it wasn't for one mistake. That's just insane when you when you think about it, like you were saying before. Just pause there, because yeah. I'm not sure how many people will have remembered this, but Valdesol, end of last year, Loris won the men's, Jordan won the juniors, beating Loris. So nine months ago at the last World Cup of last year, the one-two at the event was Jordan Williams, Loris Vergier. This year, nine months on, lens are high. The one-two in the men's, Jordan Williams, Loris Vergier, nothing changed. Incredible. The gap was a because Jordan put four seconds into him at Valdesol. But I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an incredible start. Um, yeah, Loris, Loris looks good though, doesn't he? Always does, doesn't he? When he can turn it on, he's always dangerous. Well, I think it's just a very, um, a very, um, I don't know, smooth rider. I think he's just like makes everything looks easy. A little bit like Jordan, to be honest. Um, they have Jordan may look easy in Lenzhide and and I love to to watch Loris ride also in practice. It's just like has such an ease on the bike and it's beautiful to watch. So yeah, the two probably smoothest rider out there or go one and two, which is which is cool. After winning the um, semi, Loic took third with Finn in fifth. Three riders on the box and team of the day. Loic's the man, it's his team. Do you think having Jordan and Finn on there is going to push him on even more because there's no way he's going to be, want to be the number two or even the number three rider on his own team, is there? 100%. Did you see his Instagram posts after Lenzhide literally calling Jordan out and, you know, <laughs> going up away and saying, right on to Leo Gang, I'm going to show you who's boss or whatever he was saying. Like, yeah, he said, uh, no more gifts now. <laughs> no more gifts, yeah. So it's like... So it's funny. Like that, that friendly inter-team rivalry is, you know, while it is friendly, I know from first-hand experiences, is is only going to make all of you faster. So, yeah, it's cool to see. On to the women's. And Emmy, at what stage did you think Rachel was a contender to take the win? Oh, after the qualifying, I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I was like, she's five seconds back and she's chilling hard. And yeah, I've I've known to to see how Rachel's progression is, especially now that she's not very like um, at the level she was physically, yeah, and also mentally. But um, after the quality, I was like, um, yeah, there she is. She was in quality. She was like second, I think, five and a half back or something, which was a cushion. But I knew that from last year. Cam also had a big cushion in quality and then Miriam turned it up for finals. Um, But I know how Rachel can ride on this track. She's done it in the past, Um, winning about nine, ten seconds, you know. So I was just like, oh, no. And when I I saw she was getting closer in semi, I was like, oh, this is going to be tough because I know she's going to risk everything. Oh, it's a shame the track didn't do a few more corners, but um, <laughs> she she would have she would have gone second yeah. because she was like hanging. Yeah, you could... but it was cool to see how far she was going the first like half of the track, and then she just tried to sit down and and yeah, try to recover because obviously um, Hyde is the highest altitude track out in the circuit, and it will get everywhere in your body. But do you know if she's racing Val de Sol? Because that, I mean. 
She said she wasn't, but it never knows with her. But I think she she will focus on Fort Williams for now, which yeah. is also a scary thought yeah. to see her back in 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 Fort William. So Cammy was half a second back, P one in quali and semi. She must have come away from the weekend pretty happy. Uh, she was a, she was a half a second away of a perfect weekend, you know. So yeah. obviously some frustration in the first half an hour after the race, but. Um, she she got some good points and obviously um she was like oh no like i wish the track would have been a little bit longer she, she i think she was happy with her run yeah maybe a little bit too conservative that's a little bit of a problem when you win both of the first races you're like oh i should do the same again which is fair enough you never really know like how much to push if you if you like kind of like have a cushion and that this thing can happen and i think it's probably gonna help her for the for the rest of the season you know yeah. Nina in third, Valley in fourth, Marine in fifth. I thought Valley looked very fast until she crashed in the semi on that rock drop. Learning how to refocus quickly is going to be one of the things riders need to really adapt to, isn't it? With the the semis and the finals. It's funny you should just say that actually, because Charlie Hatton has literally just replied to me, giving me his feedback. Um, and that's perfect time to put in what he's just said because he said, I really enjoy the new schedule. I like the fast pace and quick turnaround between runs. It's pretty mentally tiring to try and get back into the race mindset after the semi final. But I, I think it, you know, he says, I'm sure it's something we'll get used to. So that's another rider who, like you just said, George and Emmy, it's they're, they're struggling to just yeah. flick it back on after that semi, which I, I can imagine is tough. Yeah. And especially if you crash, like, and also Nina crashed in a little bit after where Valley crashed after the war. And I guess Valley's crash was a little bit less um, high pace, but Nina's one was quite gnarly. So if you go down there again, you can see how conservative they both were. And uh, Lenza had was um, probably on the tightest race ever in the yeah. women's field. So um, that, that made a huge difference for sure. In junior men, it was Christian Hauser from Bodie Cun with um, Hugo Marini in third. Hauser's run would, would have been good enough to qualify in 11th, I think, if I remember rightly. And the, the men's qualifying is obviously straight after the junior race, so it's the same track. I see what you're getting at now, Jack. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and it's every year there's more of them coming in. And like I say, it's tightened up those time gaps. So a, a great run now where you might have had a 20th place and you might be you might have been six or seven seconds off 60th. Now you might be 40th place on the same run, but you're only like 1.2 off 60th. So yeah, it's just insane how high the standard is now and how many riders are there fighting for the spots. In junior women, it was uh, Aris van Leuven taking the win by four seconds from Valentina Rose Sanchez in second and Lisa Bouladou in third. On to Leah going for round two. Not quite such a good weekend for you and your team, Jack. Talk us through it. Yeah, it's funny. I said to the boys on the way home, like we did a three week trip in Europe or four week trip in Europe in 2021. And it was just after I'd done my shoulder again. And the whole thing was crap for me. But then on the last day, I came forth at the Mega Avalanche, totally unexpected. So I drove home in a great mood. And this is the other way around. We've had an amazing two week trip with the team, like some great results. Like, and then because the weather didn't go our way, it, it leaves you feeling a little bit disheartened. But yeah, basically, in a nutshell, our junior Owen, um, he's had the pace since the start of the off season, but 
you know, this sport is so mentally challenging. He's been struggling to turn it on and um, something clicked with him when he got on this track and I knew it was going to be his weekend straight away. He was one of the first guys in the practice to send the gap in the woods and um, he was just buzzing. So I, I had a feeling he was going to relax into it and he came eighth. He was in, you know, the only juniors that beat him in the qualifying were factory supported juniors. He was in front of Hugo Marini and um, he did a really solid time. Um but then I think it was about three minutes before he was due to do his race run. Half the junior field was down more than half. Um, and it, this storm blew in, which was, it's the, they don't stop us for the rain. It's, it's the wind they stop us yeah. for. It was literally trying to tear tents out of the pits. And so they, they held the race for about 35 minutes. And so by the time you're on track, the track's just destroyed like those juniors rode in the dry and he came down in the wet. So he had a, he had a solid run for what he rode in. He came 15th and, you know, it's not what he has up his sleeve, but, you know, at least he's off the mark. And then typical, you you couldn't write it. Like it stopped raining for about an hour and a half. And me and Dan went up for our runs and we were about 50 minutes delayed or not even, but 30 minutes delayed by the time it come around for our runs. And the track had dried out, like everybody was having a look and we were all thinking, right, this is going to be great. And then again, I'm literally, I, I think I was four minutes from the gate. I had helmet on, goggles on, ready to go. Dan was three minutes behind me. And we could see this storm coming down the valley. And I'm saying to my mechanic, like, get me in that gate. Come on, let's go, let's go. Nobody wants to ride Leo Gang in, in the grease. Um, and, and the storm just turned up pretty much there and then. So they held the race again for another 30 minutes and it just rained. And Jamie Edmondson summed it up. He was sat behind me. Um, he was in doing his qualifying run one behind me and he, he looked at me and I could see the fear in his eyes. And he just went, I feel like a sacrifice. Um, <laughs> because like those first guys on the track, you're fucked. Like I, I, I barely got down without leaving the bike. And in a situation like that, like you kind of know that quality's gone because you can see the sun's out, you know, in half an hour, it's going to be, going to be dry it wasn't quite that simple because it did rain again but you know you can only compare yourself to the guys that you came down amongst and out of the 16 or 17 riders after it reopened I was second and only one of us qualified which was Powell who had a great ride to get in the rest of us none of us qualified mm. and we we're all guys with top 60 balls who raced in Lenside so um so yeah, it was tough. Same happened to Dan. Dan was two seconds behind me. But thankfully, we all three of us got down uninjured. And we just feel like someone's hit the pause button, you know, after that last practice run. Someone's just gone. <laughs> and we're now all at home, just like, you know, just pissed off and uh, just want to get to Valdesol and get back at it. So, so yeah. Yeah, as you, have you said, the juniors race was, was weather affected and we didn't see the conclusion of it on the broadcast. It, it stopped. Leo Abella took the win. But the top two qualifiers... Bodhi Kun and Henry Kiefer, they deserve a shout out because they made it down into second and fourth place on, as you say, a completely different track. I think the the two pivot riders got caught up in it too, Emmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They qualified fourth and sixth, I think. So they were like completely into it. And yeah. um, Ryan Griffiths crashed early in his run. So after the first Ogham, we were already on. And, and Dane crashed a bit further in the woods. So yeah, they they gambled and it didn't, it didn't work. So... Uh, we'll see what they do in Valdezol. In the women's, it was Lisa Bouladou who took the win by five seconds with Amy Kenyon and Riley Miller in third. Amy Kenyon in second, Riley Miller in third. Nasty crash for fastest qualifier, Arise Van Leuven, and we hope she recovers soon. What do you know about her, Amy? Because she looks fast. Well, I think she's already on back on the bike. I think is she? she's nothing broken, yeah. All right, cool. So her head is fine. She doesn't have any broken bones. Um, yeah, she's just a fast ride, fast little rider from Weddington. Um, yeah. 
really stylish, like a little bit, maybe sometimes too quick uh, for her (laughs) her head. (laughs) She's just like, yeah, a little ripper, but um, she'll learn from that for sure. And um, she's with Cecile and Cedric Ravonel in the team. So Ah. they will will coach her through it. They, They've done it before with Vali, who had the yeah. similar issues. So I'm, I'm guessing there are people for it. In Elite Women, it was a fantastic podium for Phoebe Gale in fifth. Monica Rasnick absolutely nailed the bottom section on her way to fourth. Rachel in third. Cami looked to have a near perfect run until Valley came down and took the win by four seconds. I actually said, holy shit, three times during Valley's run. It, it was incredible, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was like a very, very good run. Um, it's about time she doesn't <laughs> she does a perfect <laughs> one in a home track, I would say. No, I'm just kidding. Um it's, <laughs> I think no, but like but like mentally, I know it's like the hardest thing to do, and a lot of people have won at home, but it's definitely an advantage. And um you could see how she's nailing the motorway every time. And all the girls were really like struggling to make it. Sometimes she would just like try to pedal and you couldn't make it. She she just looked at ease and and uh, yeah. She, she crashed the first two times she tried to win at home and she's definitely the fastest on track. So it's good that she finally put it off. What I wanted to ask you about here was, do you think that Rachel taking the win the weekend before helped Valley? Because she usually comes into the Leah Gang under loads of pressure. It's a home race. You know, she's on all the gondolas. Everyone knows her, everyone on the lift. But Rachel was such a big story that Valley kind of went under the radar a bit. That's how it felt to me. Do you think that took the pressure off her a bit? Oh, she didn't talk to anyone all week. Who, Molly, so I don't think she was a lot of, under a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least not to me. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And I get it. She's someone that gets nervous for races. Yeah. Like, that's like type. Cami would get less nervous and she would less show it. But um, I think, to be honest with you, I think she was just like that much better on that track that she could just ride 90, 95% and still win the race. Yeah. So that was like probably what she noticed that, okay, if I, she understood that she should ride this pace, I can put around without mistakes. And if that happens, I'm going to probably win the race. And that was a good tactic. I think she, maybe she tried a little bit too hard the last two times. And it was also a bit more treacherous with the weather. Definitely Rachel coming in takes a lot of media away from other people. Cam noticed that. That's actually, she was a bit annoyed by it. She was like, (laughs) everybody talks about Rachel now. Yeah, she's like, um, the last three times she won on Neil Gang and she wasn't even invited to the press conference. So she was like a little bit, okay, they forgot about me now. Wow. But um, yeah, she could use that as energy, fuel energy for the next race. But um, definitely Rachel's comeback um, needs to be... Uh, mentioned and like I'm completely in all what she's doing but probably help Bali a little bit I don't know um, but I think she just like was um, really comfortable on Friday and that you could see that straight away. Nina missed a breaking point when she was 0.8 up and ended up 7th just 5 seconds back on cam. The depth of the elite women's field now is incredible one mistake in your 7th, it's not just the men that bad knee doesn't seem to be slowing Nina down too much does it? <laughs> they call her for netman now. That's <laughs> 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 pretty funny. Um, yeah, she's done. She's done that twice already. Now she's done it in the past too. Yeah, no, I was like, especially the final runs in Lenzerheide. I was like really amazed about what she done. Yep. And yeah, she was fast and back almost to herself in um, in Leo Gang. So yeah, we'll see what she does in Valdesol. I don't know if Valdesol is one of her favorite tracks. Probably no. not, but. Um, 
yeah, definitely a track that hopefully she doesn't have to put her foot down if it's wet or whatever. It's definitely something I struggle with. But um, if you can put your feet on, actually, you don't really forget about it, you know. Perfect weekend for Valley winning quali, semi on the final. And a perfect weekend for Austria with Andy Kolb taking the win in Elite Men. Joe Breeden, as you said before, Jack, was the first rider down and he posted a 3.09. And I wondered if anyone would break three minutes. Kolb was the only rider to do that. He looks great in Lenza Hyde. He won quali, second in semis before crashing in finals. So it's been coming, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely has, mate. It's uh, since last year, really. We've seen riders have breakout seasons before and then never be able to back it up. Jack, I know you felt Andy would carry on progressing. What What did you see in him that, that made you think that? It was it was the combination of two things. So last year he was barely off the podium, yeah, which shows he's got consistent pace at that top level. But then world champs. He had some great splits, did he? Or did he win the time practice? I can't remember, but he was in touch. He had a couple of... Valdesol, did he qualify first? So he was showing he had that end stage pace, but then also he'd been consistent all season. It wasn't like he was just like a flash in the pan one week and then he'd disappear off the next or win qualifying and then crash in the race. So yeah, it's, it's of no surprise to me. And somebody did actually say to me, I think it might've been one of my guys. They, d- they didn't have their money on him. They said, oh, he, he can't act the pressure. And I was like, he fucking, he's been getting podiums all last season. Like he won quali and semis in Lenzerheide. Like, you know, he's just, that's how hard they're pushing at the top. He just had a crash in Lenzerheide. Like it happens. So, so yeah, it's re- it's really cool. He's one of the nicest guys on the circuit. So yeah, big shout out to Andy and uh, big congrats there. Cool. Bruni second again, Jackson in third. And in, again, similar to Loris in Lenzerheide, one mistake on the bottom section cost him the win. Finn in fourth and Luca in fifth, just five seconds separated the top 20, which is incredible. So after two rounds, Camille leads the women's on 680 points. Rachel is second on 616 with Valley in third on 592. And in the men's, Loic leads on 595 with Finn on 494 and Loris on 486. Interestingly, Neither Camille nor any of the top three men have taken a win yet. So as expected, consistency is becoming incredibly important. And in our group chat, I said I'd be interested to know, if you offered Loic and Cammy the overall now without taking a win, if it, it, would they take it? I think we all agreed that if it was us, we would. Did you ask Cammy, Emmy? Yeah, I asked Cammy and she was like, what is this question? Like, I want to win the overall, but I want to win races. So <laughs> she would take it, but obviously... This isn't the goal, you know. And um, yeah, she was like, hey, and you said, Josh, it's a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back with more stupid questions for Tani Seagrave after these messages. Yo, guys, I'm Charlie Hatton here from Continental After Race Team. We've just been out here for a week in Ride Southern Spain. Been absolutely sick. Five days of riding on dusty, dry trails. The facilities here are absolutely mega, like... The villa is really nice. Nice pool, nice uh, workshop area, bike wash facilities. So yeah, it's got everything you need really. And pretty sad, this is my last day actually. <laughs> it was mega. Yeah, I'll definitely be back. You can ride till your arms fall off, I think. <laughs> From the suspension experts at JTech Suspension comes WPS. An all new brand focused on making the very best suspension upgrades parts and tooling, all made in the UK. With a growing network of the very best suspension service centers in the UK and beyond, and drawing on years of experience, WPS is the best thing that ever happened to your suspension. To find out more, visit WPS-MTB.com. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist. Fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Tony Seagrave, welcome back to the pod. It's it's been a while. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm good, actually. Just um, chilling out in Innsbruck at the moment. Crankworx is on, so he'd support the boys. Nice. And is it, are you missing Whip-Off to, to see us tonight? Is that right? Yeah, I actually didn't go to Whip-Off just to be on the podcast. Oh, you legend. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're just your boyfriend and your brother. That's, yeah, that's commitment. Fair enough. No, I'm joking. I actually pulled my back out this morning, so... Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't <sighs> able to go up the hill. Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? Uh, I just think my body's taken a lot over the past two weeks, yeah. a lot more than what I have been doing. So I think I just pushed it a bit much. I went to the gym. I spent two days at Area Forty Seven, which is that water park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that actually did more damage than I thought it did. <laughs> I'm not an eight-year-old kid anymore that can just whiz round. So yeah, I think it's just a combination of things. So. Hard to believe it, but your last appearance on the pod was in, in April 2020. And I have to say, I'm a bit shocked because to me, it feels like you've missed a lot of racing since then. But when I went and looked at the results, the shortened 2020 season went really well for you. You finished fifth in the overall. 2021, I think you're on the podium every round. So you haven't really missed that much, have you? It's just, just last season. Yeah, it's, um, I was thinking, I feel like the last like four years have just like gone. I, it's really hard for me to, I think, cause after I had that spike of like winning a lot, yeah, I got injured, um, like pretty much every season until this season. So 2021, I did race all season, but I had prob, I had a lot of problems with my neck and yeah. my slip this. So yeah, I feel like I have definitely been there and I've been, I've been racing, but I haven't been racing to, what I feel like is my full potential or what I feel like is me in a way. But yeah. Hi, Tani. So um, I remember that day pretty vividly. Like you took the win in Leger and I think that was a really emotional win. Um, I remember being like really happy for you too because it, you had a lot of injury before that as well. Um, tell us a bit about what that meant. And yeah, it was a couple of years since your last victory at that, at that time. Yeah, 2021... It was just so difficult coming into that year because I'd had a couple of years of injury and then I started off right before the season, like finding out that I had like two slip discs in my neck, not just one. And like one of them was pressing on a nerve. So it was super painful. And we went for a, a steroid injection in my neck to try and like ease the pain for a few months that eventually wore off. And then the season started, so <laughs> we were like, well, and you know, it's at the end of the day, it's my job. I have to turn up to my job. So um, 
Liangang was the first round and that was super difficult. So to get a podium there was just amazing for me. And then, yeah, the next one was, that was the second round, I think, Leger. So um, I wasn't expecting to win there or anywhere that year, really. So I think it took me by surprise. Um, you know, I got a bit lucky with Pom Pom crashing out in finals. She for sure would have taken the win that day. But I don't know. I felt like I worked really hard for that one. The day before, after qualifying, I was like eight seconds back. We all know that I'm not great at qualies. <laughs> like, I can't switch it on for that. <laughs> uh, it just felt like I was so upset. I was like, that's three, three like race runs in a row that I'm like so far back. So I actually went to plenty like right after qualies. I was like, I need to feel good. Like, I'm sick of feeling like shit. So I just went to plenty where I like grew up riding. Uh, I did a few laps on my own just to get back in the flow state and yeah the next day I was buzzing cool yeah, it's pretty cool to see like you grew up there in the region so you also like of course m probably meant a lot to the wind in yeah. front of the people that you grew up around yeah so 2022 yeah. season that kicked off in Lords, and um yeah I remember that race was really really tight you sit it third and then finished third but it was like a second off the wind so I guess, um, of course, you wanted to win, but you must have been pretty happy to see where you're at at that race. Yeah, again, like, uh, I sound like a broken record, but like, I finished 2021 and I was like, nothing's going to get in my way this off season. Like, I, I can't be asked having another shit season. I know it's like not that bad to most people. Like, Phoebe, for example, has just got her first podium. And I remember how that felt for me. Like, uh, like I really couldn't believe what had happened but I guess like because I know what it feels like to win just my expectations anything but winning are just like obviously I appreciate the result but I, I'm always going to want more so after the 2021 I was like fuck I just I don't want to I don't want to be you know in the in the chasing group I want to be the one that's being chased so I just kind of put all my health issues to one side and, and kind of um just neglected a lot of stuff I think and a lot of uh, weight I had on my shoulders and um ignored a lot of like signs <laughs> mm. which looking back is obviously not the way to go about it but um yeah and eventually came into the season and I'd actually been to see Red Bull because I thought right before Lords I thought I had I was like I still have health issues I don't know what's going on I'm I feel like I have chronic fatigue um nothing showed up on my bloods but I was like being sick from anxiety and I'd never really experienced anxiety before I started having a load of panic attacks and I was like oh, I just want to get it done so lords came around and kind of took my mind off the things and yeah I got third place but I'd be lying if I said I was in in a good state of mind and feeling healthy I, I was just glad it was over and I couldn't wait to get home um yeah I was I was dealing with a lot mentally at that point but you know, I was stoked in a way on my third place, but for all the wrong reasons. Like I was stoked because mm -hmm. my sponsors would be happy. Uh, the team was being held up and uh, yeah, it was just a good sign for the, the season to come or as I thought it was. <laughs> hmm. So after Lord, if I'm correct, you got COVID. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> like you said, it probably snowballed into mm -hmm. everything that's been like building, snowballed into um, having COVID and then you had... Uh, that huge crash had the that's um jump sesh um around home with a concussion and it resulted to having like severe symptoms like severe anxiety mm -hmm. as well tell us a bit about how it happened and um how the concussion manifests itself 
Yeah, so as soon as I got home, I got COVID. <laughs> like, I kind of knew that was going to happen after the, like, we hadn't been outside for a few years and then that big event. So I rested mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks, went straight to the – well, I did, like, a week after that. So I had, like, a few weeks before the, the Red Bull Vanta Jam. Um, and, again, I felt like I was just pushing through stuff. Like, I felt – in my gut, I felt like something was wrong, but – I just kept pushing and I felt like I had something to prove all the time. It was a super weird like headspace to being. So I went to Vanta Jam and I was like, screw it. I'm going to do all the jumps and like I'll hang out with the boys and, uh, you know, have some fun. But it just felt so forced. Um, and yeah, I like went to the top, cleared the first few jumps fine. And usually what the type of rider I am, especially is like I've got into like doing dirt jumps the past few years. When you clear one, the rest of them becomes so easy. I just keep going. I don't I don't really like to stop on the line. But the speed wasn't right for one of the jumps. And I wasn't aware of the speed change and that you had to then like get back up to speed for this transfer jump. And um yeah, I just cased it real bad. And obviously on a downhill race bike when you case things, it's <laughs> you know, it that it spits you over the bars. So um that was the crash that resulted in my concussion. Um, originally I had no idea really I'd never experienced a knockout or concussion so I wasn't knocked out but things went black for a little while um, had all the symptoms of a concussion so they sent me to hospital but the hospital people like didn't really see me for like eight hours and when you're concussed in like, like bright white rooms and like the noise of an A&E waiting room it just felt unbearable at the time and I felt like I'd waited long enough so I went home and I uh, went to sleep and then I started getting better for a week and then yeah for some reason just one week later it just like plummeted downwards like a, a hundred mile an hour and then that was the start of, of uh, last year's journey I guess. Um, you mentioned to me because we've we've seen each other when you were going to that um, Swiss concussion center in Zurich and you you telling me and Cam about um the changes that you went through also not only like the symptoms like the physical symptoms but also like the mental psychological and also almost personality changes that you went through can you can you tell us a bit about that yeah for sure it was difficult because my main symptom was what I imagine is anxiety like but not just like oh I'm a bit scared here it was like a physical sensation um like I've I was in constant fight or flight, basically, like when your body goes numb and your brain goes foggy and like you, you're tingling, like I had all that, but all the time um, for about three months straight until it started to calm down. And the only way it would like, it's not that there was any cure for it and it wouldn't calm down. But when I was most um, comfortable was when I just like let go of everything. And even then, obviously, it's a symptom brought on from the concussion. So it's not like, you know, people would try and say to me, oh, but just find that happy spot and like, um, you should calm down. And I get that it works in day to day life of other things. But this was brought on by head trauma. So and a chemical change. So it's not something I could physically calm down, but it's something I could make more bearable instead of like engaging with all the thoughts and stuff. I could definitely make it more bearable. But again, with the concussion came like racing thoughts and um, you, there's just loads of stuff. You're not thinking rationally anymore. So it was just a washing machine (laughs) of just bad stuff and like it was just a circuit that kept going and there was no there was no way out for what felt like a while 
Um, so yeah, I had to in the end drop all all sport activities. It wasn't possible. Every time I tried something, more symptoms came back. Anytime I had a conversation for more than 10 minutes, my symptoms come back. So um, or got worse even. So eventually I just had to start um, meditating and trying to change the way I viewed myself and the situation and not even change, just trying to be okay with the way I felt, which was um, really difficult, but it took a lot of work and well, I'm glad I did. Did How was it for your social circle? I guess it's like kind of like also probably hard for your people around you. Like, did they notice the changes? Obviously, like, did they notice also you were different? I remember you told me the story about Kate and yourself. Like, I think it's for interesting for people to understand. Like, it also affects you, but it's also affecting other people and you, yeah. Can you tell us a bit yeah. about that? Well, for sure. In the beginning, I was just at home with uh, my mum, I think. Dad might have been away racing. I can't remember. But mum and dad explained it to people like I just became an infant again, like an actual baby. Like I wasn't capable of doing things on my own. Like mum had to like take me to the toilet because I was too scared to go to the toilet on my own. Like I couldn't, like I would like just try and sleep all day basically because it was the only time that I felt comfortable. And then it was like small steps, like oh, like the, I remember the first step that I took by myself and I felt like insanely good about it was I went to go and fill my water bottle up. Like I went to go and fill the kettle up, put the kettle on, fill my water bottle up, went back to the sofa. And that felt like the biggest achievement. So obviously to my mom and dad, like they saw a huge change. But Cade, my boyfriend, he was away for a couple of weeks filming a project and he came back. And obviously we had to warn him that I wasn't, um, I wasn't really the person that I was. Um, and when he came back, there was so much emotion. I was so happy to see him. And like, I cried loads and like, I felt so comfortable. I was like, yay, like I'm safe. Even though I felt safe before, but obviously seeing your person makes you feel amazing. But then I think my brain came, like, I don't know, there was so much emotion involved that once I let it all out, my brain was like, what the fuck like all of a sudden I was like who is this person like I was looking at Kay like I don't know who you are like you're super scary like so I like ran back to my mom and cuddled my mom and I like, I said to mom can you tell Kay that I'm really sorry like I know who he is but I'm just not comfortable around him right now and it took like an like a whole evening of like <laughs> like staring at him and <laughs> realizing oh that, my god you know, he, he wasn't yeah, yeah. scary and it was Cade and like him like slowly coming over. And I think that's when he realized that it was bad and uh, it was going to take a lot of time. Yeah. So I mentioned the Swiss Concussion Center um, in Zurich where Miriam Nicole is, um, has been visiting as well. Um, it would be interesting to, to, to for you to tell us like how do they treat concussion there? Like a few examples of stuff that you've done there. Yeah. So um, I went there like probably like, I think it was seven months into my concussion, maybe. Um, and they, I did two days of testing, basically, the first time I went there. And it was a bunch of tests, like um, vestibular testing. So, like, in a dark room with, like, lights in and that, like, there's just so much technical terms that I just wouldn't be able to explain. But other stuff where, like, they cover your eyes and the floor moves and they see, like, what your body does. Other ones where they cover your eyes and they put like hot water in your ear and it's meant to like your balance system just goes out the window it makes you super dizzy and they like track your eyes so those are just a few tests that I did and they come up with all this data and they 
the doctor there was amazing. She was super understanding and the way she was talking to me made me feel heard and understood. And I, I felt like I wasn't going crazy basically. And she made me understand and realize that there was a way out. So she proposed this like five week program. She said, there's no rush because obviously I was doing very well with just rest. Like at this point she was like, like, there's no way you're going to be back racing this year. So, and at that point I never wanted to touch a bike again anyway. So I was like, whatever. Um, and yeah, I did five weeks there and my main thing was the vestibular system. So my eyes weren't connecting properly to my, like, my balance and my brain and my brain didn't trust anything it couldn't see. So as soon as my eyes were shut, like it was just like black everywhere and I felt super unstable. So we worked on that with physios. Um, and I did a lot of work with an osteopath there, like craniotherapy, I think it is like, he just like touches a few parts of my head. And that was unreal. Like it was great. The first time he did that, I was like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) He's literally just touched like four parts of my head and that's it. And he's like gone. But then when I, when I got to talk to him and he was explaining it all and eventually I just went there and napped for a whole hour and had the craziest dreams and it was insane. So yeah, I spent five weeks there. Luckily Cade was with me for the five weeks. So I felt a lot more comfortable. I came to see you obviously. Emily, yeah. so just cutting up that time was actually really helpful for me. Oh uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's been like it's it's pretty like to me also very like hard stuff to hear. But I think you said also that uh, somewhere it changed you, like to go through all that as a person. Um, how so? Yeah, for sure. Like it wasn't until probably about January where. I stopped having symptoms because of the stuff I was doing. So it didn't like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't basically exercise didn't bring on my symptoms. So that's when I started to realize that I was better. And that's when like the stress and the anxiety started to slow down a bit. And that's when I started to realize all the work that I'd been doing on like on myself and from within was starting to show in daily life. And I just felt like a different person. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people who are close to me see the difference. I like don't have a bully in my head anymore. Like I used to, like I said, I was never happy with anything but first. Like that then would mean every single day I was never good enough. Like I was never good enough for myself. No matter how many people told me I was amazing, I was doing great, people close to me, I just didn't care. And I never listened to them because to me, I was not good enough. And even when I won, I was like, well, I didn't win by enough. It was just constant, constant bullying. So um, I think that weighed me down a lot. And that's when I noticed I didn't have it anymore. Like when I got back into training and I was with the team, um, yeah, it was quite nice. I I felt free in a way. Yeah, I kind of felt that when I retired from racing, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go fast anymore today. (laughs) Yeah, so that was um, unfortunately quite a few concussion last season and also big shout out to Miriam Nicole who is yeah. still suffering from the effect of hers um, I think there's been a change in the sport in how we handle them now since when I was started racing nobody talked about that mm. um, is that something you've noticed? For sure well I think I was in a very fortunate position um, I got it very lucky like my team is my family so they don't really have a choice like if I'm not well they <laughs> see it and um, my sponsors stuck, you know, stood by me. I think maybe some of them in the beginning might have found it hard because I had to go radio silent. But eventually, I think as I started to see them again, and I'm I'm so close with most of my sponsors, if not all of them, 
they really did understand. So I'm so aware. And obviously with the help of Red Bull and being able to pay, I had to self-pay the, the Zurich treatment. You know, obviously I'm aware a lot of people can't afford to just go to Zurich and they don't have the time or the money to go and get that treatment. So in a way, yeah, very fortunate. And it makes me sad that I feel like maybe upcoming riders or people that haven't established themselves in the sport might not get that opportunity and feel like that they, you know, when they crash and have a concussion, they have to come back as soon as possible because of the fear of they might get dropped or they can't yeah. see a physical injury. So that plays on my mind a lot. Um, and I'm not sure how yet to, I can help with that. But I do feel like talking about it has definitely opened people's eyes to how severe they can be and how bad they can be if you don't take the time off. So I do think there is change there, but I think there can always be more done for sure. Definitely. Tani, thank you for speaking so open and honestly about that experience. It's incredible to hear it, really. Um, so you've battled a lot of injuries like a lot of people in this sport. Um, 2019, there was a shoulder at Fort William. 2020, there was the, the fib and tib at the end of 2021, there, there was the neck. And then obviously you've just talked in length about the concussion. Um, injuries do weigh heavy on everyone. Um, how much did you lose the love of the sport um, last year? And, and did you ever consider to not come back? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I It's hard to say because, well, I can clearly remember in 2019, I won the first World Cup of the year. I did my shoulder and I pushed so hard to get back like that was not a question like I wanted to be back I got back in time for Worlds got a silver medal all was good carried on didn't even question it like went to Whistler had a great time um and then did my ankle and tib um and that one was a little bit harder because my shoulder was so easy and it wasn't very long my ankle took like six months until I was able to ride properly again and that was during COVID, so I couldn't see any physios. So I had a lot of online physio work, which was just the motivation was difficult because I, I had no idea what I was doing. At one point, I had like a spoon and oil on my foot and I was just rubbing it. <laughs> trying, like, I was like, is this even what you're meant to be doing? Um, but I got back in time for the new season. So I, I just felt like I hadn't actually missed much. Like I didn't actually have that much time off because as soon as I was good again I went straight back into racing again and I did a full that full season with, along with everyone else that had missed because of COVID and I felt like because I was back and I was you know everyone had taken time off I felt like not from a team's perspective but just in everyone's head and my own like I was never actually that injured because yeah. everyone was there so I just felt like my results weren't where I wanted them to be but didn't even consider that maybe it's because I literally ripped my foot off like six months ago but because in our sport there's such a stigma that like you literally have an injury and you get you have to get back as quick as possible they're just disregarded and like a lot of people have their fairy tale endings they come back from injuries like especially the top guys and they get a gold medal at worlds or you know we see it actually quite often so I feel like unless you're doing that you're not achieving what you're meant to and you haven't recovered properly from your injury so I think after that season that was when I started to like I said, dipped down a little bit and I was like, I don't know. So with the neck, I think the neck issues kind of made it hard because it's so close to your head. And I don't know, you know, people carry stress. They carry it there in their neck, you know, and the, the back of their neck. So I just think it was a slow process of just slowly getting knocked down again and again and just thinking like, but they, 
those crashes didn't scare me to get back on my bike. I wasn't scared about getting back on my bike and crashing again. But this past one, I've been terrified every single time I've got back on my bike. So, but weirdly, I'm loving it more than I ever have done. And I appreciate it more than I ever have done. That's really good to hear. So obviously you're arguably the lead rider on your team. It's, it's a family owned team. Um, you've talked to us a little bit already about how you used to, you termed it the, the bully in your head that was putting an awful lot of pressure on you. Um, are you feeling less pressure to perform now, everything you've gone through or, or now you're back racing? Are you, are you still putting a lot of pressure on yourself to deliver for the team? Yes. So that was obviously a big fear of mine was when I started racing with the bully come back. Um, and luckily I think, you know, we have signed an elite male for the first time ever. Obviously my brother chaos was on the team, but he lost his love for racing a long time ago. And I think he felt like in the end, he was just making up numbers. So mm. the fact that we signed an elite male, we now have another elite female Phoebe and a junior. There's a team without me in chaos. Like there's this no longer a family team because we have individual riders that hold their own weight which is amazing for obviously me and my dad and chaos because that was always the dream. Um, but racing is never <laughs> that easy. And obviously as much as I, I guess that the first round, the, the bully wasn't there because I literally didn't care. I was like, I have no pressure whatsoever. But because the first round went pretty well and like I didn't crash all weekend, I was like, sweet, I'll just aim for more in Gang. But you don't notice the pattern happening that I'm already wanting more for Gang. But my goal for this year was to try and do a full season without having that come back in my head just because I felt like that's what I needed for my healing process um so yeah in Lear Gang, like I started pushing harder I'd obviously got fifth in qualities and then like I had a super chilled run and I was like oh my god this is amazing like and I just got so carried away and like I, I was being chill but I think you just don't realize how much and like when you're away for a week at a World Cup it feels like it's been a year like honestly you're there and it, i just got so wrapped up and yeah in semis i i um got a bit excited and, and had a, actually a really big crash in my semis but after i was upset i realized that there's so many positives to take away from that and i'm quite glad we've got this week now to just chill because i can reflect on it and tell myself to just slow down a bit again yeah okay so discussing this season did you only start training and riding again in february is that right yeah well i did like a, i did a team camp in january but that was like i felt like i wasn't an athlete and that like i just came <laughs> along for the ride because i had fomo i wasn't really training that hard. yeah for sure how, how when was it where you moved out of that scared phase and all of a sudden you were like oh hang on i can do i can do this again can you remember what month or when that was I mean, to be honest, I still like get it now if I take like a week off my bike or every time I just, my brain tries to make me believe that I've never ridden a bike before and like, it's going to be the scariest thing ever. But um, when did we go? So we went to, yeah, in February, we went on a team camp in Malaga and I was so stiff and so scared, but I just knew I, I just had to try and tell myself, I just had to trust the process and Every time I got on my bike, I knew it would get a little bit easier. I obviously knew I was going to crash again, um, but I just tried not to think about that. Obviously, your worries today will rob you of your happiness 
you know, or your worries of tomorrow robs you of your happiness of the now. So that's what I just stuck to my entire time. And I was like, you just can't worry about stuff that hasn't happened yet or that might not happen. So I tried really, really hard to stay in the moment. And when I did do that, I noticed that I wasn't as scared because I couldn't think about what might happen. Because obviously the big fear is crashing as it is for everyone. But I just feel like it is a lot more prominent when, yeah, you've had... um, a few crashes back to back that haven't <laughs> gone too well. Definitely. Um, I do remember seeing that you, you took a crash at Lords at the test event and it was your, mm. it was your first crash. What, what was the feeling after that? Was it relief or did things go downhill a little bit again? Or how did you feel after that? Yeah, well, actually, I can't remember if I crashed, if that was my first crash. Did I? I can't remember when I filmed Sound of Speed for Red Bull, but maybe it was before. I'm so confused now, but I definitely... Either way, how did you feel? Can you remember how you felt after that the first crash happened? Was it a a relief or did it kind of take you back down again and you have to This is the thing is the Lord's one, um, the test event, because I think I had been training somewhere else and I felt fine and I had crashed, but they were like fun crashes, like little washout or something. In like big dark like big piles of dust and like, haha, yeah, that was fun, like <laughs> you know <laughs> and they're like cool got lucky there like whatever carry on and like you're so stoked that that crash has happened but in lords i think the fact that like the team setups were there again i was in an environment again and it's so weird because i didn't actually have my crash obviously at an event at a race event but for some reason it was just so daunting being around people mm. that i knew had been training or see all off season they were coming here to like try and showcase or see where they were at and that was quite stressful in a way but as soon as my tires hit the dirt on that first day of practice I felt insane like I felt so good I had no stresses and the amount of people that actually I don't know if they were being nice but the amount of people that came up to me and said I looked so much better on my bike even from like 2021 and I did I genuinely felt more comfortable and I was just loving it and then it rained in the evening and I've never I don't think anyone likes lords in the wet like it's not a fun place to be and I was like, I could not go up, but then I just felt like I was giving my brain and that fear like power over me. And I felt like if I didn't go and I didn't at least try, then I would then anytime it rained, it would probably get worse. Yeah. So I kitted up in the morning and I went up and I like kind of had a chat to myself. Like you do, there's obviously a higher chance of crashing. Like I know this, like it's so slick up there. Um, so I probably like already told myself I was going to crash basically which isn't great but um yeah I crashed on the wall and I did like I hit my head a little bit um obviously the wall's pretty sleep steep and I just like tucked my front wheel like slammed my head a bit and like, I actually hyper my shoulder I've actually still got shoulder issues from that but the that really rattled me I um yeah I got really really scared just because like there was a bit of pain off of my helmet um and I think just Obviously, the stress and anxiety are two symptom, two things that were symptoms. So, yeah. but they're also things I'm going to naturally feel after a crash like that. So, it was yeah. kind of a battle in my head, and I just had to be like, right, I'll just end the day there. I'll like chill out. I'll see how I. Am. And to be honest, I was stressed for the whole week after because my in my original crash, my symptoms didn't come up until a week later. Like, or the bad bit wasn't until a week later. So until that that seven day mark went, I was just petrified and I was so exhausted from being stressed so much. I just did nothing for the seven days. I was just like, 
waiting for something to happen. It was awful. But as soon as the seven days went, that was it. I was like brand new again. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was really really scary. But um, again, it was it was part of the puzzle, and it needed to happen. So you did. You just mentioned the sound of speed. Um, it's pretty incredible film. That it's beautifully shot. Who who shot it? Thank you. It was still City. So Joe Bowman and Sam Needham. Um, yeah, those are the two lads that that shot that for me. And I didn't really want to film it with anyone else because I pitched to Red Bull when I was starting to feel better. I was like, oh, it would be so sick if we did the sound of speed, right? Because at this point, I was like, I think I'm going to race the season. So, and I feel good on my bike. So I feel like it should it would be sick if we dropped um an edit where people are like. She, she's back on her bike and she's loving it and I feel like yeah the, the people I feel comfortable with is still city so yeah cool if anyone hasn't seen it go go and check it out because it's bloody amazing and also I would suggest people if you've got a few minutes go and watch episode three of how we roll because that is I watched that last night ahead of doing this recording and you see the actual yeah. horror of the concussion and stuff and also the horror on Cade's face when you can see that the interviewer is going to ask him about it. And he says, <laughs> he, he just goes, you can tell he didn't want to talk about it. And he just goes, I was away racing. <laughs> I was away for most of it. Yeah. And just, he plays his cards early, doesn't he? I was away for most of it. <laughs> That's exactly how he said it as well. <laughs> so pre-lens hide, what, what were the ambitions? Was it just to get rid of that bully? Was that the... Yeah, so like obviously I made sure that everyone knew on the team what you know the the goal was for me, just so that there weren't any expectations. But I don't think they had any anyway. They weren't, you know, they've got my back through thick and thin, and they understand me completely. So, but it was just nice to kind of lay it out, and I feel like I say it more to them so that when I start getting carried away, they can remind me. Yeah, and they did every day <laughs> remind me that I just wanted to be back racing and enjoy my bike again. And it's like I said, it's just so easy to get carried away. One race feels like 10 for some reason. And um, yeah, I just, I wanted to progress naturally. And to be honest, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't want to eventually be on top form again. Um, You know, there was a goal to, I wanted to feel like I was able to race at my best again. That would would be nice. But also I'm like, if I don't get there this year, then that's fine. Um, Yeah, there's no time pressure on that. Yes, I think it's kind of normal as well. Like if you if you don't have like a like a vision for where you want you want to do this, it's really hard to stay motivated. So I guess for you to say, okay, I I still want to maybe try to get um, back where I was. It's like something mm-hmm. that drives you in the end. And if you do it well, it will help you for sure. I remember in Lanzahide, um before qualies where you ended up ninth. You already mentioned it. You were at the start near the gate. And I saw you. Yeah, you made me cry. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then and then you were like, oh. <laughs> and then I hugged you and we kind of like, I don't know, it was a special moment. And I was like, I'll leave you now. <laughs> yeah. And you made, um, you made me tear up. Yeah. It was, that was emotional. <laughs> and I've, I think, it, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you, when you, when you did your run, you were like focused and everything, blah, blah. And then you ended up ninth and, when you crossed the finished, I think then some more tears came through your eyes, like doing that first run. Like, how did it feel doing that race run again? That race run was by far the most hectic thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the, the emotional roller coaster. And like, 
this is another thing I've had heard that to me not racing how I used to like I was very very good at getting in the zone and being focused on my run and that run was actually anything but um uh from the moment I got out the gate to the last um drop I could not stop thinking there was like loads of stuff I was having like a conversation in there like the entire way down and I and I even thought like this is not how you're meant to race I know you're not meant to race like this like what am I doing I was like this is how people must feel when they tell me that they can't get in the zone and it was just like like the entire way down (laughs) and then before I knew it I was on like the last court and like I remember getting every section like oh I've made it down that section oh I made it down that section I came around like the last corner and saw the draw and I was like (laughs) there should have been a mic in there because I was like yes 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 <laughs> I was like, oh my god and like I was like oh god. and then I realized what had what I'd achieve and then I started crying and then like this is like four seconds of time maybe and then I was like oh no 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 don't cry now because what if you like I don't know go over the bars on the last drop or something like this you're still not there I was like hang on you can hang on you can do this and then yeah when I crossed that line I was just like, oh, my, I couldn't believe, I didn't care where I'd got. I just could not believe that I'd done a, like, I hadn't done a full run really before. I think I did two when I like went to Portugal, but yeah, I was just over the moon. And then obviously I saw my dad and Elliot, my manager. And um, I just, it was crazy. People around me must have thought I was absolutely mad because the cries that were coming out of me were not okay. <laughs> But then, yeah, I got back and um, it was funny because I got into the pits and then obviously I did look at my result and weirdly, like I was so, so proud, but there was still like a, a little sting somewhere in there. I think obviously Phoebe coming fifth and beating me, I would have loved to be able to fight against her in her first few races, you know, and, and had, had fun with her like that. But ugh, whatever, I'm on a completely different journey and, and so is she, so... But hopefully soon we'll be able to, I keep saying so I can't wait till we race together because, um, yeah, she's a gem. Yeah, for sure. And then you stepped it up in semis and Phoebe, unfortunately, didn't qualify in 11. So you can race each other, but mm-hmm. you got sevens in semis and sevens in final, only two and a half seconds off the box. So uh, yes, that's some great comeback. You must have been pleased with that in the end, even though, of course, you want to try to race for more. But I mean, it's a great first round, I I, I reckon. Yeah, no, I was stoked. And on the end, I was like, well, I've done three, three race runs. Um, I've got through a whole weekend without like bullying myself. Um, I felt like the process was there again. I was willing to work. I was willing to take a couple of risks here and there, which was cool. Like that whole new first section off camera. I hadn't ridden that before. So I was quite scared going into that, but I knew I had to push mm-hmm. a little bit through there and. Yeah, just getting back to work. Like, I used to love the process of trying to piece together a, a fast race run. So I was stoked that my race run in finals was actually super focused. So I was that was just um, the cherry on top. I couldn't have asked for more really from, from that week. We mentioned Liu Gang as well. Um, you got a really good fifth in quality. So that even a step further as well. And um, like always, some good splits at the top. Um <laughs> Uh, you had a big crash in semis, unfortunately, and um, you're not protected, so you missed uh, finals. But then Phoebe, obviously, mm-hmm. got her first podium, so bittersweet for you. Um, what I want to ask you is also, um, what do you think about the changes to this season? Like, do you like the semis? What do you think of protection? Stuff like we discussed on a personal ba- basis as well and with mm-hmm. the association, but what do you think of all that? It's a hard one because... I understand 
where ESO are coming from, for sure. Um, but for me, it was scary because obviously I wasn't race fit. So trying to do, I know people just say, oh, it's just one extra run. But honestly, those that say that, I don't think have been through the stresses of a World Cup race week. It's just, it is so intense. Um, you're in your own little bubble, like, and yeah, but in the end, I felt like actually, like once I raced it, I was like, well, I actually don't go very fast in qualies because I feel like I haven't had enough time yet. I'm not ready to go super fast. And then I got another chance in semis and I was like, oh, well, in Lenderheide, actually, I was exhausted. I couldn't do another run, but I did another run and I did get quicker again. So I was like, shit, maybe this format actually suits me, you know? So I really wanted to like give it some more time before making a proper opinion. I feel like I've always kind of said that about the format anyway. Obviously, when they first put it towards us, we were all like, what the hell? Like, we felt like it was taking away a bit of the beauty of our sport, which I feel like a lot of people do agree with. Um, but the protection side of things, I think, is a, is a little bit shit just because I just feel like there's so many... After this year and after everyone's managed to figure out how they can use the qualities and semis, I just feel like there's a lot of tactics that can be involved, especially with the top guys and girls. Um, and there's not many girls anyway. So for, for, you know, three girls to be protected all year round, um, and they, you know, they do take up spots in the, I took up Phoebe's spot, you know, even though I was protected in Lenderhide, I took up a spot and she missed out and she was 11th. And I said to her, if I'd have known, like I would have pulled over, you know. <laughs> But I like you just don't know. So it's it's a tricky one. I don't agree with the protection, but I feel like the format does have its positives <laughs> for sure. So the women's field is really stacked right now. Um, as well as Phoebe, you've got Isabella and Grace who have come up um, from junior. And then, of course, you've got your old four, Rachel, who's, who's returned. How did it feel seeing her on the top step again at Lenzai? It was cool, actually. When like when I knew when I found out that she was racing because we have the same physio at home and we see each other quite a lot now. And obviously, in the height of my career, in the height of her career, there was you know it was like Red Bull made it out to be battered of the Titans. Like there was a lot of tension. Um, but I feel like we've both been through so much that. I just felt like I was like, whatever, it's the water under the bridge. Like I couldn't care less anymore. Like what she achieved that weekend was amazing. It was incredible. And I knew she was capable of doing it. And I was very excited to see her race. But not only that, from a selfish point of view, I was so happy. I felt like I was missing part of me. It's like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Like I was just like, I felt like I, I, like, I felt lost without her. Like it's, it's true. I was like, I just, I didn't have the same motivation. When I was racing Rachel, I was so fired up. Like she like, you know, she helped mold the athlete I am for sure. Because um, for a long time, I felt like it was just me and her battling it out at the front. So when, you know, when I got injured and then she got injured and then, you know, I'm friends like, at the time, I was really close friends with everyone else. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really fancy fancy being these girls. Like, <laughs> you know, like we, we all get on so well. There was no tension for me and I felt like there was no drive. And I know you should only compete against yourself, but it helps when you really want to beat someone. Yeah, for sure. So how pumped are you for Valdesol after your disappointment in Lugia? I'm, again, like, I can't shake the feeling of being scared. Like, I'm not going to, like, try and hide that at all, especially Valdesol so so gnarly um my body's feeling it a bit after the two two weeks like i said i just pulled my back so i'm like great <laughs> can't wait to go down <laughs> <on> this hole <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but I don't know I'm still like I'm, I'm just hyped to racing and I was actually thinking yesterday before I pulled my bike I was like I really want to get back on track again and just piece I just want to keep piecing the puzzle working it out like I said I feel like a new person so new things work for me some of the old stuff doesn't work anymore and that's all part of the fun I guess Nice. On top of what you've just said there, are there any kind of specific ambitions or goals for for the season? Uh, obviously, we've got Fort William hanging there for world champs and you've won there before, or or is it just going to be a take-it-as-it-comes kind of approach? And like, I can't lie to you guys. <laughs> it's just, uh, like The dream would to be to win world champs at Fort William, but like I said, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm, on, I'm still on this journey and what will be, will be, but I always guaranteed give 110% effort into my races so um I would and leading up to that so I will give everything I have to to try and make that happen but like I said if it doesn't then you know there's plenty more people that are worthy of that title and I'd, I'd be happy for anyone that does cool well good to know you're up for the fight um and then just just quickly having obviously Oli Zwa join the team you've mentioned that already how's he settled? yeah he like he it was crazy he was like the first time we met him, it was like he'd been on the team for years. He fit in so well. We were so glad that we held off a bit to sign an elite male. Um, and yeah, he's he's already done so much for the team. And I feel like he's really, really gelled. So that was obviously the main thing for us, like because we're like, you know, a tight knit family and we're all super close. And I feel like it might be quite hard for people to enter that small circle. But yeah, we, we love Ollie. He's so good. And then not only that, he changed every single component on his bike apart from pedals, I think it was. So we were just like, there's no pressure, dude. And then he went and won the, no, no, got second, I think, at the downhill in Rotorua crank yeah. work. So we were like, wow, like this is amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's, he's fitting good. really well. Yeah, and he, he's a great guy. And to be honest, it's it was really, really nice for me because I felt like I wasn't just hanging around a bunch of kids anymore. Because <laughs> I was starting to feel old. Like, and I know I'm not old, like, <laughs> but I was starting to feel really old. And then Ollie's the same age as me, and I feel like he's got a very similar race head. So it's cool for us to to chat about that and stuff. Awesome. And how's uh, brother Chaos getting on? As a full-time free rider, is he enjoying himself? Well, of course. They, they, he doesn't do much, does he? He goes to whip <laughs> off every year. Turns up to some backyard battles. No, he, he puts a lot of effort in, bless him. He's loving it. He, he just won whip off, actually, I think. Oh, brilliant. Whilst oh, I was oh. here. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst I was here, Chaos got first and Cade got third. Nice. But Oh, no, nice. he's he's loved the change. He's been wanting to do it for years, but wasn't quite sure if he could earn any money doing that. I think he felt like he would have FOMO away from the races, but also at the same time felt trapped in that environment. So yeah. I think he feels, yeah, like the world has lifted from his shoulders and it's it's nice to see him thrive in that environment because that's where he belongs, I think. Yeah, cool. Cool. Before we let you go, let's talk about kits. The kit that you wore in Lords 2022 is... I'm hands down the best kit i've ever seen the pink no. and orange and black one yeah. you'd look nice in that oh. george <laughs> me in a tequila sunrise all six foot eight of you <laughs> it, it even matched the bike as well did you have much input into that one yeah we designed that one because we were told that we were having orange fox fox forks and obviously me like loves pink as we all know i was just like this is a nightmare like how am i gonna make this work but in the end, um, it works so well. Yeah, we, um, I can't remember. I have a lot of input into my kits, which is amazing. They give me so much freedom. 
usually I just send over a mood board. They get some some mock-ups done. I'll be like, yes, no, or this needs changing. I don't like this. Can we put more of this? And it's it, we work really well together. Um, and then we match the bike to it, and it all works so, so well. And I was actually sad, obviously, I only got to run it for one year. And, um, yeah, the orange grew on me a lot, and I love it now. <laughs> cool. You've just launched another one with Fox, another collection. Tell us a bit about you do the mood boards and then they send some stuff back to you. And then where does it go from there? Um, well, usually the, the kits are actually made like two years in advance. Wow. So by the time it comes to production, we're so bored of it. And I hate <laughs> to say it. I'm just like, I don't think I like it anymore. I'm like, and then I start panicking. I'm like, are people going to think it's like looks old or like, and they, they always remind me, like, don't worry, like, we've said it as well, this always happens, like, don't worry. To them, they've never seen it, so it's going to, like, the first time we finally nailed it, that's how they're going to feel. But with that one, actually, yeah, we wanted, I wanted something to look super futuristic. Um, I felt like from all the catwalks I was seeing in fashion, that's kind of the way it was heading. So that was kind of the, the main topic of it. And then they actually said, oh, well, funny you say that, we've got a few um mock-ups already of stuff like that and that was one of them and then that one actually out of all the ones we've done together um required the least amount of work it was just like that yeah. we loved it straight away we were just like yeah let's go in cool so uh, yeah not like the one that's coming next year we've been working a lot on that one <laughs> you never get two easy ones in a row no no okay so one last thing for me i've mentioned it before um i always called you the queen of the first sector <laughs> uh, it's actually quite like a mind blowing to me. And I looked at your result of this year. And even though they were like a little bit under what you were you doing in 2020 or 2021, you're still faster than your end result in the first splits. How do you do that? Like, is there something, how can you explain that? I really wonder. Well, I used to, if you look back from when like I first started racing elites, I would always win the last sector and my first sector would be shocking. And um, dad would have a go at me all the time saying that i had to get into the race run sooner um and i think that kind of stuck with me a bit to be honest i'm not gonna lie but also i think as i've got older and like my routine works for me and you know emmy like all week i'm pretty chill like not much is bothering me um you know i don't know as soon as i get in the gate something just switches like it's just go time for me and um i think i've that's when I'm most focused. And as I start to go down the run, I relax a little bit more and maybe I'm not as focused. Um, and usually I think out the gate is power, isn't it? <clears throat> it's power and like it's instinct because everyone's adrenaline is so high. I think that's where a lot of people make their mistakes um, and they get better as they go down. But I think I'm the opposite. That's where I thrive the most, like in a high pressure, high adrenaline environment. I love it. Like I just go into the flow state. So. There's no secret, really, but you can tell Cammy that. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the wardrobe behind that. Yeah, I can the... see her peeking through now. <laughs> She's over there. <laughs> well, look, thanks for making the time to come on the pod and for and for missing Whip Off and for talking so <laughs> so candidly about the concussion. It is, it's great to see you back racing, but more importantly, it's great to see that you've got the love for it back. I really hope you can enjoy the rest of the season and, and have a lot of fun. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me again. Pleasure. We'll be back with Roger Vieira after these messages. Expert suspension tuning and customization used to be the preserve of the pros. Not anymore. Let the expert team at JTEC Suspension take care of your fork, 
shock, or drop a post to experience the feel of factory racing. With over 20 years' experience, JTEC suspension of the OG's a buttery smooth suspension. Get the Pro Touch and get the best out of yourself and your bike. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk and chat to the experts in race-ready suspension. Choose single track. Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad-free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single track salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. It's the hard knock life for us. It's the hard knock life for us. Static we get It's the Provateer Life. So this season, I wanted to follow a couple of riders who haven't got factory support. Riders who are trying to make it happen no matter what. And the first of those riders we're going to be chatting with is Roger Vieira. Welcome to the show, Roger. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, yeah, much appreciated. Obviously, been listening to the podcast for a while now, and uh, I was asked it when I was going to be able to <laughs> tell my story and be in the podcast. So it's quite cool to have the opportunity to to be here. So thanks. Cool. So tell me a little bit about where you are right now. Uh, so yeah, we just uh, have a week between uh, the last race, which was Leo Gang and uh, Valdsol. So um, we decided to stay out here in Europe. So I'm in the border between. Um, Austria and Switzerland and club very close to Italy. So we're just on kind of on our way to to Italy uh, at the minute. Um, I'm with Luke Williamson. Um, yeah, we've been traveling together and we, we're going to race, actually race a race this weekend in Italy as well, uh, Italian Cup. So that should be interesting. <laughs> cool. So for anyone who didn't catch the Fort William episode where we, we spoke, give us a reminder of what happened in the off season because it didn't go to plan really, did it? Uh, well, I lost my job and then just two weeks before that, I had my garage uh, broken into. Um, they still my motocross bike, my e-bike. And then two weeks after that, obviously, I was working for more large and then obviously riding for them as well. So, uh, well, they supported us to get to the World Cups like they, they used to lend event to us so we could get around and go to the bike park and go practice uh, to all everywhere around the uk and yeah the, the company just uh went under um like without any notice just went turn up for to work one day and they just said he went into administration and like pretty much lost my job and like my biggest supporter in my racing as well so but yeah luckily enough all the this well the suppliers the sponsors that were sponsoring me uh they yeah they backed me up and uh yeah kept me rolling so 
we are here representing it then. Cool. And you're working for E13 now, is that right? Yeah, as well. Yeah. So yeah, we followed that. Then E13 uh, yeah, also gave me the opportunity to, to work for them, which is pretty cool. It's because it's it's so hard. Like obviously you have a lot of jobs out there, but to find a job where it lets you have the flexibility to race. Because like example now, I'm four weeks out without working. And yeah, it's really hard to find that job. And luckily enough, like E13, uh yeah, understands like the racing and uh yeah, they are happy for me to to have all that time off and uh, be out here racing so yeah it's pretty unique opportunity and uh, really grateful for that so cool so as you just said there quite a few changes for you in the winter and one of those changes has been the bike that you're riding um tell us a little bit about what bike you're on and how that deals come about um so yeah well in the like last year and probably this tariff this season i was obviously riding for uh with a specialized bike just specialized frame probably been riding with that for the past two, three years. And um, yeah, we masters had this idea of uh, the privateer project to have a different thing going on for this season. And I've been talking with him like for probably like since last the end of last season about this, this opportunity to ride the GT bike and have like full support of factor team on the first ride throughout first round. But obviously I wanted to make sure I had the bike early enough so i could i could actually do some some races on it before i went to the world cups and obviously some testing um so yeah it was really like to the last minute like to get the frame like i was leaving to to go to france for center camp train and the bike arrived on a monday like it, it was like super tight but like we managed to get this um yeah this deal sorted and yeah now i'm riding uh gt frame and then also had like the support from the guys in the first round and also in the second one in semi-finals which was quite cool uh, but yeah the bike is is amazing obviously i felt fast like from from the get-go with the bike i mean you were there and you saw me riding and like i looked i, I felt felt good but obviously like i noticed there's a difference when i raced the bike in four wheeling to feel fast on the bike and actually race fast on the bike so it took me like yeah a few, a few practice days and a few races to actually get like comfortable like with race speed on the bike and obviously like setup wise as well like you need to change quite a few things to make the bike um like race fast so but yeah now it seems like we are in the right track and yeah feeling great so am i right in thinking that the gt is a little bit bigger than the specialized you were on before roger and have you managed do you feel like now you've got it set up to a point where you're happy with it, or you're still working on things yeah on the paper uh when you look at reach wise the gt is only five mil longer than the specialized but the reason it felt so much bigger is because the actual top tube of the bike is 15 mil longer Okay. And then the seat tube is like 10 mil shorter. So, uh, but I managed to get a 45 mil stem on the bike, which bring the reach to the same as the specialized. And uh, yeah, it, it feels it feels good now. It, it, like when you're riding, it feels short. But like when you stand like sat on the bike, it kind of feels big because the top tube is a bit like longer than than the yeah than the specialized. But yeah, now it's pretty pretty good. Makes sense. So before we went away for the World Cups, uh, you were third at the first Pierce race behind Matt Walker and Jordan Williams, two names that I think everybody has, uh, has heard of. So that was a really, really good result for you before we went away. Was that a good confidence boost? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, uh, 
I know I had raced a lot on the new bike. I only had raced in uh, Fort Williams. So, and I did, well, I mean, I did good there, but my expectation for that race was to do a lot better than what I did. So I was quite, my confidence was quite low because um, I struggled all week. to couldn't find the right setup for the bike. And yeah, just, just couldn't, couldn't link together uh, on race day. And yeah, just ended up like 27th or something like that. So I wasn't happy with that. And obviously had the opportunity to race this pre-cycle race. Uh, and yeah, obviously my, my, my goal was to be top three because I knew like Matt and Jordan was there. And then I had like Luke there, uh, Joe as well. They were good riders. Uh, so I thought if I had a top three, it would be like a, a really positive result. So best of the rest kind of thing. Yeah. Ma- managed to do that. And, uh, obviously, yeah, that, that was like a big boost confidence. Like then it kind of like, it was what I needed just before going to the world cup. Cause then I knew like the bike works. The bike is fast and like I'm in pace, so like, everything was kind of in the right track to to go and uh, do well. So yeah, definitely was massive. So moving on to the last two weeks, then uh, round one at Lenza Hyde, you were you were under the GT tent um, with Wynn's new privateer program, getting the full factory experience. Uh, one of my good friends, Trev, was the mechanic for you that week. Um, shout out to Trev. How was it for you? Was it good? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like, really really good. Um, obviously, I never have a mechanic like I, I guess like loads of private riders normally do have a mechanic like they have someone there that can help them and like unfortunately i never like have anyone that like is there to like actually do the mechanic for me so like just having that alone was like massive um just like being able to sat down like in the bike like in in the chair and then just look through working on my bike at the start to be honest i was quite I was quite like scared because like I know every single boat on my bike that needs to be checked and like you know like when you do it you know you've done it but like trusting someone else to do on to do on my bike I was like a bit like oh it's like I had to like go run through with it like every single boat that I like needed to be checked even though like it probably would do it but it was just like yeah I was like just like oh like to, <laughs> I didn't know him as well so like but yeah, then he was great and like yeah the bike was faultless probably didn't help that i told you on the first day to keep an eye on him because he's always pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, kn- I knew you were joking <laughs> no yeah that was yeah no exactly that was great and then obviously not just that but like they also have like a catering that brings food all the time so that was quite big as well because like one I'm, i was saving money in food which is massive especially in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, and then two, like I didn't need to go to shop or I didn't need to go to the restaurant and choose, like, like try to translate the, like, the menu and try to find something else. Like it was like every day I had, like, I knew I would have at that time of the day, a health food, like right there in the beach. Like it, that was like quite, quite big as well. Um, and then obviously just like everyone there was like quite nice and, like made me feel like uh i was part of the team and uh yeah it was just yeah really good and great cool this is exactly why i wanted to start this feature because it's just highlighting you know what the riders who don't have that support what they have to think about as well as racing the bike in the weekend yeah 100 yeah it's just like little things that you don't like probably no one thinks about it but it just makes a massive difference in the Huge. end like yeah yeah definitely 
Well, it, it clearly worked um, because you were 20th in the qualifying with a really, you know, great time. Um, how, how did you feel coming off the back of that quali? Yeah, no, I mean, I was surprised when I crossed the line because I had done like a GoPro run just before I did my quali run. And I had done like a 3.54 on the GoPro. And I was really happy with that time. I was like, oh, this is probably going to like make like I will qualify safely looking into the junior times. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, and then when I came down, obviously I was pushing, but I had quite a few mistakes at the top that like when I crossed the line, like I had a solid bottom, but quite a few mistakes at the top. And when I crossed the line, I wasn't sure if that run was faster than the practice run. And when I looked at the time, like he was five seconds faster than that run. Yeah. But if you asked me like in the finish line before I see my time, I would never say they were, that run was five seconds faster. So yeah. it was quite. It's quite surprising, like, yeah, like a, a good surprise lesson, like a very good surprise. <laughs> I think that just illustrates how much everybody's having to step it up nowadays. You know, as you say, you, you didn't think for a minute you'd gone that much faster, but under the pressure of the of the new system and how many people are in there, you've you've got to you've got to send it to get in there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think like it was just like I was committing, I was making mistakes, but I never like kind of my pace never dropped. Like I stayed like super consistent. But if you look at my splits at the top, I was quite slow. But then at the bottom, like I was like really like really fast. Like the splits were really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you went on to flat in semis at the top. Um, were you happy leaving Lenzerheide knowing that the pace was there or, or did you leave Lenzerheide a little bit annoyed that you'd not got a chance to, you know, do your best race? Yeah, I think you, you would, like no one would ever leave it like feeling completely happy. Like obviously I was happy like that I got top 20. I knew the speed was there. Um, but like, as you know, for all the factory teams and everyone that's out there, they we will think, oh, maybe that was just a lucky run. It just like even because my time in qualify off a top twenty wouldn't even go to finals to send to finals. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you need to prove that you can do in semis and then you can do in finals, and yeah. then someone will take you serious. Otherwise, it's like not points. So like I know that, and in back of my head, I was I was thinking like, damn it, like that was the opportunity like to show like everyone that I can do it. And yeah, I felt a bit like bummed that I couldn't like put the run I wanted to put like in in uh, in semi. But at the same time, like a, a flat tire, like it's not really it is my fault, but it's not really like it happens. You know what I mean? Like it's a bit of unlucky. Yeah, yeah it it just happens. And yeah, it's 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 better than have a crash because then a crash like it's yeah, it's like you felt the pressure or you just. You just yeah. went too fast or some or yeah, something like that. But there was a guy in Lenzide, his name's not coming to me right now. You guys might have heard of him, but he, he had two punctures, didn't he? In uh, in two important runs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if it happens to him, it can happen yeah. to everyone, right? But yeah, a lot of people had a flat as well in semi, yeah. so that that kind of helped as well. Because like, I think Matt Walker flatted and yeah. Greg uh, just like you say, yeah. flat as well. So yeah, did Greg only yeah. have two or did he have three flats? Uh, two. He, I think he had three. In, did he have one in quality as well? I thought he flatted in quality as well. No, I think he was maybe not just behind Dan in quality. I think he may have had an yeah. issue, but um, yeah. yeah, he definitely had flats in semis and finals, like full flats. Yeah. Whereas quality, it might have been a slow one. I can't remember. So, Roger, you've you've got this little bit of a reputation now on the circuit of being this guy who, who spots these. Uh, they're not just 
extraordinary lines, but they're lines that people are kind of respecting a lot. And a lot of the time you, you see not just yourself on them, but the top riders as well. Um, talk us through how you're finding these lines so early in practice, because you're usually on them before anyone else. What's the tactic? What's the technique? I don't, I don't know, really. For, for me, it's so like normal. And then people he started to t- tell me that I'm always in different lines. And, but for me, like everyone was on those lines anyway. But then now that I know, I, I'm looking at track walk differently, like trying to purposely find in like different lines. <laughs> but I don't, know if, I don't know if that, that is good because <laughs> it's great to have like these all good lines. But then like at the end, I'm asking myself, well, maybe like the main line with conference will be faster. <laughs> and like as a privateer, I don't have anyone in the hill looking at lines for me. So I, I don't know if the lines I'm doing are actually faster than the lines, the normal line or another line that our rider is doing. But uh, to your back to your question, it's I think like, yeah, it's it kind of took me by surprise that everyone thinks that. But it's not really a, like a game thing that I play or anything like that. I just track walk, look at the track and I, I kind of just try to think outside the box and try to use the whole the whole track inside the tape like like to my favor like if it's a bunk like i love riding up in the bunk like for to open a corner or something like that so yeah yeah just just try i just try to to be wise when i'm doing track walk i've just remembered we track walked baller together and you showed me that line off um as you come up off the bus stops at the top that you know yeah. the the double and you said you want to hit that on the left hand side there where no tire tracks are because you'll get more boost and you'll land perfect for the corner yeah and you kept asking me all weekend if i'd done it and i didn't see you after sunday but i did yeah. it on sunday yeah i got, did I got work over it? that double i did yeah it did work yeah yeah, yeah. so thank That's you for it. that one yeah yeah i just realized no I, I never i never spoke to you again after that every time yeah. you asked me i was like no i haven't done it yet no i haven't done it yet <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, that's good. That's good to hear. You haven't got your own line spotter, but if you keep doing what you're doing, you're certainly going to keep confusing everyone else's line spotters. So <laughs> I think it's a good tactic. <laughs> yeah, through that. Because I've tried some of your lines and they don't work for me. I'm a main line with confidence guy. So yeah, you've confused me a few times. It works. That's good then. <laughs> Maybe I should do it more. <laughs> Oh, you can ask me for some lines, maybe. I'm at the neutral. All right. And now you also, are you still going to be on GT for the next round as well? No, it was just for the first round. And then because Taylor got uh, hurt in uh, in Leogang, uh, okay. they, they, they kind of pulled me back in the program for semifinals. Uh, but yeah, it was just, just, just a one round. Uh, yeah, one round race, really. Are you gonna ride? Are you gonna ride Conti tires? Though? Nope. Sorry. <laughs> no, no line spottings for you. <laughs> <laughs> On to Leo Gang. Um, tell us a bit about who you've been traveling with and who you've been stopping with, like between the races and stuff so far. Uh, so I had I was lucky enough that my brother uh, was working for Sunter in Lenzer Hyde and Leo Gang, so I got a lift uh, with him. Uh, to Lenzer Hyde and then obviously Lenzer Hyde I stayed with uh, the GT crew so I had also accommodation cool. sorted there as well which was pretty good um, and then in Leo Gang obviously drove with my brother to Leo Gang as well and then um, luckily Suntur let me stay on their truck so I slept in the truck um, for the whole week in Leo Gang which 
I mean, it was quite good because I was I was waking up like already in the pits, so I was pitting with them as well, me and Blanky, and uh, and then now my brother. Well, we had two days of shooting uh, for a new uh, in Schladming just at the start of this week, um, and then my brother now went to back to UK, and uh, I'm with Luke now. He's driving me around. Well, <laughs> we're driving around each other kind of thing. <laughs> so Luke Williamson. Um, yeah, because I don't have a phone. I don't have anything like out here. So yeah, I'm just, me and Luke are just, uh, yeah, plugging around. Uh, we already uh, had to rescue two eyes. I, well, we had to rescue him twice. <laughs> <laughs> like the yeah, the battery of the car ran flat like twice already. <laughs> and we had to push it. But, what? Yeah, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> nice nice um i believe you had a little bit of a rough start to the week um in leogan with a crash coming into the woods on the first day of practice is that right yeah yeah like i did the first run and like i felt so good and probably too good like <laughs> i was like obviously cruising down to see how the track was but like i felt like really good and like felt quite fast in a few sections and I tried to put some kind of pace straight away in second second run like just tried to ride a little bit faster and push a bit more in some sections and uh that specific section like the way I remember this when it was like grass loamy mm-hmm. big deep big deep rut and you could come like flying and you wouldn't go anywhere and I kind of tried to do the same but now they 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 kind of resurfaced the 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 ground and it's like a, just like a gravel and like gravel ground and the rut is like really shallow it's not deep at all mm-hmm. uh, and then I came into it too hot I had to break in the middle of the the rut and then my front wheel just I got unbalanced my front wheel went over the the rut and then just went into lose lose dirt and mm-hmm. that was it I lost my front end and then. I was on the ground. So that was, yeah, probably my mistake for trying to, to go too fast too early. But yeah, that that knocked a lot of my confidence and also like gave me a pretty big swallow thumb that uh, made me feel uncomfortable weak and also like it was struggling to grip the, like mm-hmm. put, like grip on the on the handlebars and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. Uh, the exact section like surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Um I've seen a couple of crashes there's people just breaking and get down the rut. So Yeah, I, I crashed there in practice as well. Just missed time the break and washed the rear end. So you get to transforming a forest ground to into a car park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my only crash of the week in Liu Gang was on that exact same corner. Mm. So I feel yeah. Uh, we talked about the weather a little bit already um, in the previous part of this podcast in Liu Gang. There was a, like a big storm on Friday and um, you got P14 in quality. So I guess you got a bit lucky with the weather, You but you must have been delighted with that with that result because sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you get less lucky, you know? Yeah, uh, obviously when like, I was about to go to my race, like because obviously you start thinking like what's going to happen and it was raining a lot. And then it stopped raining and the sun came out and I, I just thought, well, again, like we're going to get the track wet and then the other, the other guys will get the track dry. But it, it was the opposite. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it dried up. We like, I think 10 riders went down and I was one of them. The track was like, it was pretty dry. Like in, in the top section in the woods, it had like a few like patches where it was a bit wet, uh, but nothing like major. And then 
the storm came back again and the rain never stopped all day. So, um, I mean, when I crossed the line, I knew by time that I did, it wouldn't, I wouldn't qualify. And I knew like I had like, yeah, pretty much fucked up. I ran. So I, I, I did pretty good at the top. And then once I got into the woods and saw a little patch of wet ground that looked like ice, I panicked and then I rode the whole wood section. Like, like I squeed, like, like really slow and cautious uh, and then I crossed the line and then I was like pretty disappointed for I was not going to make it. And then pretty much from that point on, start raining and I was like <laughs> on the live thing, like looking rider by rider and no one was beating me. And I think like four of the riders managed to beat me in the wet, which showed how mm-hmm. slow I was like in the dry. And I was like, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> and then I ended up finishing like 14th. So yeah, I was happy to to made it through but like i knew like it wasn't like kind of fair and it wasn't like yeah but i guess yeah it, it, it was out of my control and i got lucky and yeah i'll take it <laughs> for sure you got 38 in uh, the semi-final so only 1.4 second of making the final um yeah it sounds like nothing but 1.4 is just how hard yeah. is it to make that jump like like it's it's literally another level this year yeah it, it it definitely like everything starts if you look at the times like it's crazy like even in finals like if you look like uh like between that 301 302 mark like i think it had like 10 10 riders like um yeah it was pretty pretty crazy like i think it was like jordan finished 13th or something like that and he was like literally a second off the podium so yeah everyone is riding really really fast and yeah anything that that it happens if you have a mistake or anything he, he yeah he will definitely affect your weekend but like going back to like my semi-final run like because of the crash like that semi-final run was the only run that I actually kind of felt fast on track because like I went nine well eight seconds faster from quality to semi and like the condition of the track was like pretty pretty similar like it was a bit wetter but um yeah not not major and um yeah that was like the first time that I actually felt confident again back in the bike and managed to attack which probably was like too late but, but yeah it is what it is yeah so Valdisal is coming um you um 23rd last year so I guess you're hungry for it yeah definitely um yeah I like I really like Valdisal um I had like really good results there uh and like last year I've qualified 18th and then I was like going back to weather like last year it rained and I literally when I came down in the rain I came down like literally after the rain and then that like I got a wet track as well um and then managed to gain a 23rd which was like pretty big as well um so yeah definitely keen for it and um yeah can't wait now that you had a couple of races this year um what do you think of the new format like do you like the semi-final yeah it's it's different like I still can't like really say it much because I didn't go through final because for me till now I only been to semi-final so mm-hmm. it, it, it all everything felt like qualify final for me at the moment but one when, when I was warming up in semi-final in Linzer Hyde and like you know like you up the hill like you doing your arm up process you're thinking about the track you have all that pressure and I just for one moment I just thought fuck like I'm gonna need to do this again in like a couple hours like it felt like really like mentally not physically but mentally like quite quite a lot to do in one day but 
I guess you just get used to it. But yeah, that's that's what I felt about the new format, even though I didn't go to finals yet. But yeah. Cool. Well, let's end the show with some predictions for Valdisol. One name from each of you. Winner, elite man. Steve's going to kill me. Um, but that run, I, I didn't watch the race because we were travelling home. And I think it was on Pink Bike or somewhere anyway. I caught the, it might have been YouTube summary. And I caught the the three runs from Jackson, Loic and Andy. And that run of Jackson's was incredible. And the way he changed gear and pedaled into the air, gapping into the woods in the spot where Rogers just described his crash. Yep. Like, for anyone who's ridden that section, like you're, you're all on to like keep the bike tracking and make the gap to where he landed. But to have the composure to be shifting gears and pedaling is just fucking astounding. Um, so apart from his one mistake, he looked like he was a cut above the rest. So I, yeah, I, I think he's Jordan's kind of fueled him up, hasn't he, with, with that win he took in Lenza Highs. Um, so, so yeah, I'm going to uh, anger Steve. I'm going to put my money on Jackson and Valdesol. Ooh. Emily? And that's cold. Cold again. Ooh. Not a bad bet. Not a bad bet. He was so good last year. Like, it wasn't yeah. like I, I watched practice. He was doing line and nobody was doing. So, I'm hoping he could do the same. Yeah. yeah. Roger? Yeah, I mean, both of them that Jack and Emily said are big contenders uh, and probably will do really well. Um, but, I will put my money into Larry. I think he's. I knew you were going to say. Mm, I mean, good shout, good shout. He's done really well in the past there, and uh, yeah, it seems like he's on fire this season. So he's hungry this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll put my money on him. I'm gonna go very safe and go Lowick. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go Loris, but then I, I Lowick. Yeah. Can't go Come wrong on, with you said he's not going to win any races this year as long as he's no. second to win the overall. Now you pick him as your winner. He'll win one. He'll win. <laughs> okay, it'll, one. It'll be in Scotland. <laughs> you think he's going to win worlds? <laughs> Imagine. He'll come second and third at all the World Cups and he'll win worlds. <laughs> um, you get good odds on that. Winner, elite women. Beware. Got- I'm not playing this game twice. <laughs> we. <laughs> You going right. Cammy? I, I am. I am genu- genuinely going to go Cam. Actually, I, I think. Uh, I think she's going to be pissed off having not won one yet and leading the overall. And I think she's going to come out punching. I was thinking about this as well. Valley's. I think Valley's been on the podcast three times, and I think in three times she's told us that she hates Valdisol. So she didn't even try last year, did she? She was just happy she'd won the overall and rolled down. So. But yeah, yeah, that's not why I'm picking it. I well, think. she still got third, so it's not that bad. But yeah, no, no. you know yeah, what? I I th- she wasn't trying for the win. I'll go Cammy as well. Roger, careful, Rog. She's just <laughs> fire. I need to. I don't. I need to say something different now. Uh, Be it on your head. <laughs> uh, I would say Nina. Okay. Good job. Uh, yeah, I mean, she 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 crashed, didn't she? In um, mm-hmm. the last round. Um, yeah, she seemed to be in pace, and I'm sure she'll be hungry to put a solid one into Valsol. So definitely a good. Yeah. Oh, Roger, you should be on a Santa Cruz bike. You always using Santa Cruz rider. What's it's up? All syndicate <laughs> sending out subliminal messages yeah. to the syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Roger. Best of luck in Valsol, yeah. and, and we'll catch up with you again later in the season, maybe after Worlds, which isn't that far away. No, no, I'll be keen for it. And yeah, thanks. 
thank you very much for the opportunity and yeah thank you cool and that's it for another episode and, and what an episode that was thanks to the sponsors of the show hope technology jtech suspension revolution bike park ride southern spain schwalb and singletrapworld.com as always if you're enjoying the podcast please subscribe so you don't miss an episode and if you've got a second please drop us a review alternatively please give us a follow on instagram at making up the numbers racing or facebook.com slash making up the numbers thanks for listening we'll be back with another episode after valdi soul This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.